Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of The Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And what a week it has been. Football all over the place to watch. Not in Vancouver. Well, actually, some in Vancouver. I'll come to that at the very end when I, I talk about my trips to VMSL. I was going to say, I saw you yeah. over so. So, I mean, yeah, interesting stuff coming out of that. But that will kind of tie with what we're going to talk about in, in part four. There's been drama. There's been controversy. There's What? There's been a, a lot to talk about. And there's a lot that's going to be to talk about this coming week as well. We're going to talk about the international stage. Christine Sinclair hanging up her international boots. BC Place has become Christine Sinclair Place. Yeah. Have you seen the logo? On Tuesday. I have. It's really it's very good. Nice. Very yeah, nice. I really, really like it. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk the Euro 24 draw that threw up an AFTN derby. We're going to talk, of course, the punishment that has now been handed out for Vanny Sartini and the Whitecaps. Some other Whitecaps news of the week round up the MLS playoffs and continue our discussion from last week as to how we can fix Canadian football. And last week, Zach, I was, I, I talked about Gardy Lou and you had re- regretted instantly asking what Gardy Lou was, but I ended up, as you may have seen, calling the show Gardy Lou because I thought we, we spoke so much about getting the shit out of Canadian football Gardy Lou seemed the most appropriate phrase for for that in the end. Don't know what we're calling this episode yet. We'll kind of see how we go with the flow. But before we get into that football chat, how's your week been? It's been a good week. I got to go to the island, saw some football. It was nice. That's, saw that's some goals. Good. Yes, you saw a lot of goals. <laughs> but we'll talk about that that game very soon. I, I got my Christmas decorations up this week. The last couple of years, I've been really late in getting them up, so I wanted to make sure... I, I'm feeling festive. I don't know why. I got to go to a pre-opening event at Van Dusen Garden, so I don't know if that's what's put me in the spirit. Is that for the or, lights? Yeah. I always mm. like to get there, if not every year, every couple of years. And um, <laughs> Of course, if you want to be really Scottish, you can just go to Coquitlam instead and take in oh, Lafarge lights, which is yeah. free, which we will be doing. 
And I said Lafarge. I, you said Lafarge. I think you're right. Lafarge. It's Lafarge. It's definitely yeah. Lafarge. The, I didn't know anything about them until a couple of years ago when it was a part of VMSL game. And I was like, what are all these lights? And then yeah. I looked it up at half time. I was like, this is amazing and free. Yeah. It's like, it's all my boxes. Right next to Percy Perry. My my in-laws used to, before they moved to out, out here to Abbotsford, they used to live up the hill from there. So yeah, we used to go there. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's quite quite beautiful how they do things up. Well, I, of course, you are in Abbotsford now, and there's an atmospheric river coming, and that devastated I, Abbotsford I, last year. Are you worried? I just heard that today. Uh, I'm not worried about where I live. Yeah, you're up, you're up a hill, but can you get down the hill? Uh, Is your well, house going to become last, an ark? Last time I could get down, and I could get to the airport to get away to go to to go to Edmonton for the football. <laughs> Some people, some I had, I knew some people in Chilliwack. They had to miss the football because they could, and they couldn't find a boat to get them across. <laughs> I was so bad. No, it in, it's apparently not going to be as bad this time. Yeah, around. that's what I've heard. Uh, but in all seriousness, I do know people who live down in the uh, in the in the, the flats there in the plain, uh, the mm. uh, Sumas Prairie there. And yeah, yeah thoughts go. Everyone, hopefully, everyone stays safe and just drive safe. Which because there's so many like. Here in East Van, there's just leaves everywhere clogging the drains and the side things. So you worry. Oh, hydroplaning, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of rain coming. It's just going to overflow. Hopefully the weather's not too bad for the the game on Tuesday night as well and it doesn't maybe keep folk away. The the weather just in general has been weird. I take it you've seen the weather in Germany just now as well. It's been all slow and games. Yeah, our game game got postponed. Yeah, games were off and flights have been cancelled. Poor Manu. Manu went over for the game. So that's the way I knew he was in Frankfurt. So that's what he went over for. Oh, he went, yeah, he went over for the Bayern game. Oh, Bayern wow. versus Union. Well, he's, 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 thinking, he's, thinking, it. he's thinking in other games, and he's going uh, ah, right. with his. Uh, I think he's going for the transfer market Christmas party and doing other things while he's there. Ah. But. Well, the East Fife have made it two weeks in a row now undefeated as our game got called off as well. <laughs> we have an all weather pitch. That didn't survive the weather, so that, that's well, always what, a plus. What's the weather? Is it snow? Is it? It, it was, it was frost. Apparently, the machine oh. that breaks the frost up on the pitch broke, so they weren't able to dislodge the frost. So money well spent. Breaker broke. Yeah. Then the FA Cup. I was watching Alfreton Town against Walsall, non-league against league, and this is just just typical of modern football. So the game's on BBC, so they're desperate to get the game on. Yeah. The show starts, you see the pitch all covered in snow, and then it's been cleared, but you can see that it is icy as hell. And it's like, that's going to be rock hard. Yeah. Uh, The game got called off about two minutes before kickoff time. Fans were in the stadium. They travelled up from Birmingham to Alfreton, so you took a couple of hours journey as well, in really treacherous conditions. And if it hadn't been on TV, it would have been called off right away. The Walsall manager said, yeah, as soon as I walked in, I was like, this game's not going ahead. Yeah, the the Bayern game, actually, I think the official reason was the host team and stadium, which is they're in the same because Bayern owns the stadium, and the city officials in the league are the ones who come together to make the decision. And ultimately, the decision was made for the reason they made it for Bayern was because they felt it was too unsafe to have seventy-five thousand people come out to Frotmanning, 
in those weather conditions. So I, the pitch would have been the, the pitch would have been playable. The, the only reason the game gets called for the pitch is if the referee decides that the pitch is yeah. unplayable. So the pitch was fine. You, they could have played, but they yeah. See, they said, I, no, I, I, I love for that. the people to get here. Yeah. I absolutely love that because that is just not taken into account at all. Because this is an early kickoff as well. It's like twelve thirty p.m. UK time. So it's like you've had folk leaving really early. Oh, yeah. There was like yellow alerts for snow and ice and everything. And now they've had a wasted journey and they've got to go home and travel in those oh, conditions. Yeah. So Michael, ridiculous. You want nothing to do with that yellow snow, whatever you do. No. And it's like with all the rain here, it's good job that BC Place has a roof because it, it could be a waterlogged pitch on Tuesday night otherwise. And you know, if Tim Ford was an official... And the pitch was waterlogged. He'd be having flashbacks to that False Creek comment and he'd be calling these games off. He wouldn't oh, want to take that risk. Oh, Michael. Yeah, we'll be talking about that in the next part. But for this part, we're going to kick things off on the international stage because there is a lot to talk about. And we're going to start off with Canada. They went big on the girls from down under. They went nap on the island. I've explained before, I love the phrase going nap. It means to score five, and it's not really used over here. It's uh, I'd like to th- throw in as many reports, commentary, whatever I do. So the girls went yeah, nap. Yeah, te- text to me, yeah. <laughs> yes. Big 5 now win against not first-choice Australian opposition. Yeah. yeah, we'd have to say. They, that was a very strange lineup that the Aussies put I, out there. I, I got to hang out with our good friend Harji Jahal on the island. Uh, yeah, I hear you gave her a, a ride home as well, which was very yeah. nice of you. She we gave, wanted me we to gave thank ride. you on the show. Yeah, we got we got her home safely. Um, yeah, she was saying that it was weird because the uh, the Australian manager, the sweet the Swedish Australian manager. Um, had made comments that made it sound like he wanted to give them a good test, you know, for the series, mm. Clarence's final matches, and blah blah blah. And then he came out with that lineup, which makes her think that the second game will have a much stronger lineup. You would, but have there to are. Think but so. the thing is, there are there are some of their key key players are injured and missing, right? Like uh, obviously Sam Kerr and um, I forget her name now. The goal, the goalkeeper who was oh yes. Um, yeah, West Ham goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Her name's escaping me. S- Sam Kerr not coming, of course. Yeah, was, Sam Kerr. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it's like I think everyone was hoping for that. I never got my interviews done with the the Aussie girls that I was wanting to do because the oh, right. their PR comms person just never got back to me. So I'm like, all right, well, fuck that then. We we Is won't bother par, having par, that on the show. Part for the course. <laughs> it seems to be at times this this year, but yeah, I. I don't know. I might follow up because I would still like to speak to Steph Catley, but hey, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. After a 5-0 defeat, I'm also not sure that they're going to be that wanting to talk. Yeah. The one thing I would say, I love their strips. I've seen a couple mint, of teams... Mint? Yeah, mint yeah. green I would describe that as. I've there seen a, a couple there, of teams wearing that, and I love that. There's a number of positive comments in the stadium about that. I will say that. Oh, it's it's a beautiful colour. I and there genuinely was, as, like that. As you would expect, there was a number of Aussies in the stadium. <laughs> yes. Well, there's a number of Aussies everywhere. Yeah. Bread for bar work, as Al Murray, pub landlord, used to have as his routine. You gotta love the Aussies. They're bread for bar work. But it was it was it was it was a nice day out. Like it was 
Was it a nice day out? No, it was. You know what? It, it was. It, I'm it talking was about the weather, the, of course. Yeah, it was only the end that kind of was got kind of gross. But I was just going over my with the, my buddy and fellow Fraser Valley fanatic Andrew Harley. But he he was recovering from being ill and thought, yeah, go, being outside for two to two yeah with, with no rain, roof with, with no roof. Yeah, we were in the section with no roof. Um, it was torrential. I, I mean, you're saying towards the end, at the start of the second half, the Aussie girls, because they had close-ups off them, they were chittering and shivering. They were like soaked yeah. through and freezing. But before that, so then I, I went over and ended up going with Jamie and Rob from the Voyagers, and it was a lovely day. Yeah, it I saw like, your pictures well, when you first yeah. got to the stadium, and yeah, we it was got a to nice the ferry ride for like, you. We're like, oh, we hope this, <laughs> we hope this holds because it's. If it held, it would have been perfect because it was the thing was even though when it did rain, it wasn't freezing for you know a beginning of December day mm. or, or, or evening, and uh, yeah, it was only when the rain came. Really, in the rain in the second half because the first half was there was long parts of it there was no rain, um, but it was fun hanging out with uh, you know voyagers from the island and all around. Um, they uh, so yeah, what happens with the voyagers usually like local people help lead the section right, so Lakeside boys. Um, guys were uh, leading things, so it was a lot, a lot of fun. Um, but one of them said to me, "Michael, this is hopefully this happens." I, I don't know if it was a hopeful thing or it was it a factual thing. I, I didn't follow up, but that they might actually be moving to a section where they'll be under a roof for next year, which, wow. which could be a really good thing for them. Although the the place he told me uh, had me concerned for them because they'll lose some of their traditions, but. They'll have to forge some, or create some new ones. Yeah, don't 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 say the F word. Don't say the F word. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I, I saw a video. I was tied on a video of the Lakeside kids as well. Yeah. So yeah. the next crop of kids that's coming through. I mean, that's good for them as well to have that coming through. Yeah. Well, they had a bunch of uh, young ladies lead one of the chants, which was really a lot of fun. Well done. The the chant that you wouldn't maybe know as the Marius. Oh. Cool. Yeah, it was good. I mean, can you take a lot from it from Canada's point of view? 2 0 up in the first half, pair of goals from the Shell Prince. So I mean that's one of the big sort of positives from I, that as well. I think I think I mean I, I haven't watched it back. I haven't even watched the highlights back. But what I took from it was um I, I mean obviously with you know Schmidt moving on and now um Sinclair retiring. There's this significant shift within the, you know, within the squad and, and, and whatever. The thing that I, I and I, I can't remember, I, I think she might have done this for one of the Brazil games, but it was interesting to see Bert Friesman play a back three. Mm. Uh, and it was kind of like a three, five, two. And uh, which they had three strong uh, central defenders back there Rose and um, Buchanan, of course, and uh, Vanessa Gilles. But uh, but the thing that was most exciting is it pushes um, Lawrence, actually Lawrence, a little bit further forward because she is probably the most technically gifted. Well, maybe not technically, but she's she is the most maybe complete player with her pace. I think that Canada has, and uh, I think the more that they can get her further up the field, the better, right? Like she's obviously been in the past. Maybe you've done this too, compared a little bit to Alfonso Davies in terms of. Hey, she she plays fullback or wingback, but she could also she could also and when she wants she she does damage you know further forward. Um, so it was good to see her 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 further up the field. Um, 
and then Prince is another interesting one mm. with, with how that match started and with, you know, in the in kind of the the beginning of the post-Sinclair era because I feel like I haven't seen Prince play a lot through the middle. She's often in the past played wide in a, in a front three. And I thought, again, obviously the, the opposition was what it was, but I, I was really impressed with her... Uh, well, her, you know, will to win, her will to, you know, get, win the ball back, and and then even just her finishing, where we were, in, where we were in the stadium. Actually, the one thing that was kind of awkward was, it's because I ended up standing in the, like the second or third row of the bleachers, which is like fifteen to twenty feet back from the touchline. But you, where I was, Michael, I couldn't actually see. I only know the ball in the net because the net bulge, because I couldn't see oh. the. You can't see the bottom, and then where just where I was, I also could not. see see the the uh the video screen either i can only see the top of the video screen so it was not great for it was great for community got to hang out with lots of fun people but um, so you had a restricted view seat yeah yeah i guess i could have walked down to the front and and kind of got try to be at the edge of the near the edge and but even there yeah i think they could they could have seen the, mm. the touchline but but no but i was so anyways i was really impressed with prince like i, yeah, I, 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 I was I, as well I, I think that was like i i didn't mean anything demeaning by saying can they take anything from that because obviously they, they can but yeah it was a weaker australian squad mckenzie arnold wasn't in goals we mentioned Sam oh, yeah, arnold. that's the name arnold so i mean it's a it's a very different aussie team to the aussie team that we saw them go up against in the women's world cup mm -hmm. but you can only beat the team that's in front of you yeah what i took from it was they played some lovely passing football yes it's a great confidence booster as well because it's all been like, where's the goal's going to come from? Well, now you've got these young players coming through and they've got to get experience and this will give them so much hope. My only disappointment, Geneva Hernandez-Gray didn't get on. She will clearly see the pitch on Tuesday. I say clearly. I'm hoping she will see the pitch on Tuesday. But overall, there was a lot to be positive about. The movement... It'll be a whole different test on Tuesday. And oh, Tuesday's yeah. going to be the interesting one because, as we talked about in last week's show, it's balancing the emotions of the whole occasion with we still have to work as a team and develop some stuff. But yeah, I think it's more going to be the emotion. It's more going to be the showcase. Just the spectacle is what Tuesday night's game will be. And I'm sure the Aussies really will want to try and like spoil that party a little bit but it's going to be such an emotional night all round i know that there's going to be like presentations made honoring yeah. players and various things as well from csa from voyager various stuff like that what i want to talk about because th this is obviously going to come out monday afternoon so it's not mm -hmm. a lot of time before the game so I, I don't want to get too much into the game, but I do want to talk a little bit about Christine Sinclair. Yeah. And I just wanted to say to you, as someone that's watched her for many years, I, I should have asked you this before we recorded, I meant to ask you this. You saw her play for Whitecaps back in the day. Yeah. yeah yes, I did. Yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I was almost certain you had, but... Yeah. So what does Christine Sinclair mean to you as a Canadian soccer supporter? Yeah, I... Uh... I think she's she's legendary, right? Like she she is um 
don't know. I, I someone asked me this recently, and I was just like, oh, there's so many things, right? Like she's an incredible finisher. She's historic. She's yeah. I, she has done uh, so many things for the game in Canada that it's it's hard to almost weigh her, you know, her value or what she's contributed. Right? I think, and and it'll carry on while she's still a player at club level, and then. I think everyone hopes that she'll play some kind of role in the game, even though she's talked, I think, about not wanting to be a coach. And Yeah, I, um, I asked her that last year or the year before. Yeah. Actually, when, when Karina took over in Portland. You're right, right. Um, and I'd asked Christine about that, and I was like, do you see yourself going into a role like that? She's like, nope. I see yeah. everything that, that Karina and Rianne at the time put up with, and she's like, that's not for me. Yeah. So yeah, but I, you wonder if she'll be involved in some way, shape, or form, you, like especially with Project Eight. Uh, everyone, hope so. I, you ambassador, kinda, league ambassador, even or yeah, or commissioner, or I guess uh, Matheson's probably going to be the commissioner. But yeah, but but even like yeah, I guess this is pre- somewhat presumptive. But you you figure this is her last year at Portland as a player, and then she either moves in uh, off field, like she retires completely, or. I mean, there's even some people who, and we've even talked about. It, I think you know, would she do a year on field in yeah. Project Eight to help? The, with, the only help thing about that, of course, is like to her, Portland's home. That's, yeah. she loves it. She's was at university there. She's played for the team there. Obviously, she's from Burnaby. I, she's Canadian. She loves Canada. She loves BC. But Portland is her home. Yeah, I could see her though, choosing to do a year. You know. I, or, or or if not, then choosing a role yeah. that she can live in Portland and do the play a role within the yeah. league. Yeah, my heart says yeah. I'd love to see her for a year here. What that would do to the new Whitecaps team, for example, would put so many bum bums on seats. Yeah. The, the thing about like anyone that has had a been fortunate enough to chat to Christine Sinclair, whether in an official capacity and unofficial capacity, she's so self-effacing. She shuns yeah. the limelight. She's going yeah. to be dreading Tuesday. You just know that. She doesn't want any fuss. We, yeah. we played audio before in the show where she said, look, I I want to know everything that's happening. I don't want any surprises. I don't think she's going to get that wish. I'm sure there's going to be a few surprises along the way. But, I mean, she'll get recognised in Portland, but she's free to walk around the streets in Portland when she hangs her boots up and not get hassled. Walking about here, she'll get stopped constantly for autographs, for selfies, everything like yeah. that. And I don't know that that's the kind of life that she wants or, do, or yeah. would enjoy any aspect of it. Like she likes being out with kids. Saturday, up at what used to be called Fortius, now the Christine Sinclair complex up in Burnaby, she Burnaby Football Club had a, a whole training session. She was doing training with them and had a panel afterwards. She's got a charity event that she's got on Wednesday. Are you going? Not a $3,200 for a table of 10. Wait, that's cheaper than I thought. I thought it was 6500 for a table of 10. That's, that's, what I, that's just what I told you because I was trying to buy two tables. Oh. So if you pony up the 6500 <laughs> No, I, I, I could have sworn I read it was 3200 You might be right. That's just what I heard from people. But that's that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of chocolate digestives, which incidentally, (laughs) you can't pay by 
And I wasn't able to use my gam either that Axel gave me as a Christmas present last year. <laughs> That's the, the gift that keeps on giving. Ah, oh, never tired of those jokes. No. Um, but your Tuesday's going to be emotional. It's going to be special. Oh, it's, I mean, yeah. to be part of that, it's going to be great to be there in the stadium. And people will hang around you, imagine, for quite a bit after the final whistle. Well, I hope um, they do because I, I don't know if you get the Voyager's emails, but I, I did. I wasn't sure how official that was because I was starting to talk about it, and I thought, well, maybe it's a surprise, and I'm not meant no, to say anything. I think no, I think they they just put it on and said, please stick around post match because yeah, we want to do some post match celebrations and honoring and stuff. So yeah, I, I, really, yeah. I mean, I don't I, I don't see too many people. I mean, there's going to be stuff pregame as well, but um, yeah, I would encourage everyone yeah. to stick around. I from f the players are arriving at five, I believe, as well. So if yeah, fans so you want can, to get there early and yeah, so cheer yeah, them so, in. So people who so I don't know if you know this, Michael, but for the last well two two no more than two two or two and a half three years, the the Voyagers have really encouraged this um, culture of uh, meeting the bus at the stadium, the the Canada bus when it arrives at the stadium. So for this game, the players are just. Uh, they're staying really close to the stadium, so they're just walking over to the stadium. So yeah, so they're just doing like an honor guard or whatever. There'll be like a a thing set up that nice. they can walk through, and fans can greet them and welcome them, and yeah, bring flags and bring stuff, and yeah, support them. But obviously, the, the one issue is yeah, you need to be there by five, and that's probably an issue for for many people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope to get there for about six, just to kind of soak the atmosphere and everything in. I mean, she's su such a legend. I've been lucky to get to chat to her a couple of times over the years. Not very much, because she does do very limited interviews, and a lot of it's with the, the big big guns. Yeah. I've heard, I, that's part of what I've heard this this week, is a little bit of the frustration that... Yeah, she, it's... She's, it's only, she's only talking to CBC and TSN or whatever. Yeah, she had a press conference today... Right. which I couldn't get down to because I was at the VMSL game, but I was like, oh, it starts at 6.15. I can get from UBC to downtown for it. and then I should have gone, gone for you. I could have maybe gone to that. Well, at halftime of the, the VMSL game, I checked my emails, and it's like, we've brought it forward to 5.30. I was like, well, uh, I won't be going to that then. Oh, I still could have gone, I could have gone for you. I should have talked to you. Ah, yeah, I've surely aced. But, I mean, she, she's such a wonderful person. It's going yeah. to leave. It's going to leave such a big hole in Canadian soccer on the pitch, not just because of her contribution, but y you look around that team, and with all respect to the to the other women, it's like there's there's some big stars on that team. Yeah. But there's nobody that has just that star power that Christine Sinclair has. Nobody that the the media is like oh we want to speak to sync we want to do this oh she's the player we're talking around yeah. about her around the world so someone needs to step up i think janine becky big. has a bit of, yeah janine becky has a bit of that but kadisha buchanan's uh another one she's definitely got star power i mean you, you'd hope like jordan hutama jordan, yeah i was gonna say jordan hopefully but that's maybe i mean i always thought adrian leon was going to be the person that was going to come through but that was mainly because she signed for West Ham again. But <laughs> as like one of the, the Aussie girls I was wanting to speak to, apart from Steph Catley, Katrina Gorey is also linked with West Ham. Oh. And she was one of the two that we spoke to when they were back here in 2015. So I 
would have been a nice little follow-up. Maybe we'll get that done. If we do, we'll bring it in in next week's show. But if you're heading along, if you're listening to this before Tuesday, if you may be having this as your pre-game warm-up in the way of the game, stay safe, enjoy the occasion, yeah. just soak it all in and pay tribute to the greatest Canadian football player that there's ever been. Mm. Keeping on the international theme, though, we'll move to the men's side now because... <laughs> what 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 a Saturday it was for Germany. Yeah. Just in general. It was. Did you watch the under 17? I I did not. Um I've seen parts of their run, but I did not watch the final. Do you you know the result though? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. That was one hell of a final. If if you get the chance to see it because it should be on TSN on demand and stuff like that as well. Watch it. It was absolutely tremendous. If there's highlights, watch the highlights. Finished 2 all. Now, this pissed me off. Now, I know the whole tournament, there's not been extra time. For a World Cup final, have mm. extra time. Don't Is just go straight their age, to penalties. their age are trying to protect them I, or something? I think possibly, because like... The, the 17s play 80-minute matches. Whitecaps used to play 80-minute matches as opposed to 90, but they were yeah. playing the full 90 for this. But, I mean, it's a World Cup final, for heaven's sake. Go. Go to extra time. Although, if it had gone to extra time, I don't think Germany would have won because they had gone down to 10 men. Right. But yeah, your ginger ninja came up big in the penalty shootout. Some really good saves, and the Germans did what they couldn't do 60 years ago and got the better of France to lift the World Cup. And happy German faces all round. Yeah. They have uh, captured the imagination of, of people uh, in Germany because, uh, like, uh, I, heard Ma- I heard Manu talking about it, uh, that... I think like the the group stages like weren't on big big channels in Germany on TV, but oh, wow. either either for or after they beat Spain, all of a sudden it was ah. like it was, yeah, and they, and the, and the, oh, sorry, so it, it's like TSN coming in to show Christine's last yeah. game. Well, they yeah, <laughs> they were just like they, people really appreciated how they uh, they showed this kind of traditional German will to win and grit and whatever. Yeah, all things that everyone would say the. The full men's national team has not shown for oh, quite a while. Yeah, maybe going back to twenty fourteen or twenty sixteen or yeah. Um, but no, they have yeah they've they've gone on quite a run. Obviously they they've uh, scored a number of goals from the spot outside of their, their <laughs> the shootouts they've been in. Um, yeah, I think Bruner. I forget how many penalties he scored, but I think it's three or four that I've yeah, seen. Yeah, they've had a lot of lot of practice on the penalties. Yeah, um, but no, I, just really really happy. And there's and there's. The, the cool thing is there's, uh, well, a couple of things. One is there's like four, four, five, six guys in that team who are going to be like quality players at club level. And the other thing, which you may or may not know, and I, I forget his, I forget his name, but um, I'm going to butcher his name. Um, there's a, a, a central midfielder who plays for Schalke, who I don't know if he played in the tournament at all. I know he was, I saw him on the bench earlier on. But he was—he's a—he's a starter for the team. But he's—he was carrying a knock, and so I think he didn't play after. Uh, I forget. How, he didn't play any of the knockout games. I don't think. But he was like, if he was start, if he was fit, he would be like a for absolute starter for them. 
And so, uh, you know, the fact that they did it without him is it was, was quite interesting. It, it was from from the semis. It was the final I didn't want. The third place game, and I don't usually watch third place games. I've no interest in them usually. But the third place game was the game I really wanted as, as the final. Argentina Mali, because Mali have just been tremendous, and beat Argentina three now, finished third. It was a tr- absolutely oh, right. amazing yeah, yeah. performance by them, and of course, had disposed of Canada earlier. Canada, yeah. clearly that was the group of death that, that Canada were in and, and didn't get out of it. But I, I'm pretty sure, Zach, that the German joy just lasted a few hours ah. because then it was the UEFA 2024 draw and Germany have found themselves in the group of death. Is it really? I'm, I'm building it as that, yeah. Because uh, I think the... Um, what group is it now? Is it the one that is it Holland and France in the same group? Uh possibly. Let me. I get can't remember who the third team. The third team is obviously again. not on that level, but I think that that group is, yeah, a little more top heavy, obviously. But I think that's more of a, yeah. Well, you, you you didn't get to watch the the draw. No, I didn't watch the draw. Was it entertaining? Usually, I love usually I love watching the draws. It's so fun. Where did, where did you watch it? Was it on TSN or was it? Yeah, on? it was on TSN. Yeah, TSN. Yeah. Nice. It tried to capture the the essence and the history oh. and the culture of Germany. Well, to, to an extent, maybe glossed oh, over some of the, some of the Michael, history. Michael, Michael, Michael. But the it, it was fine. It it ticked along better than some of the draws that you're like, oh. but you, you're still like, oh, just come on, get your hands on the balls, get them pulled out, and. It was done, and it You're threw awful. up the AFTN derby. Yeah. Friday, June 14th, in Munich, Deutschland versus Ecos. It's Germany, Scotland, and that's only going to end one way. I'm sorry, Zach, but your boys are going to take one hell of a beating. <laughs> I mean, based on the, their form right now, I would not be shocked by that result. <laughs> We've got a chance, at least. Oh, you've got a chance. Now, uh, hopefully there will be some kind of transformation. Um, yeah. I, it'll be fun. We should watch it together. or Yeah. Or, or maybe we shouldn't, because then we'll not like each other. But um, I'll, I'll still like you. <laughs> depending on what, what German jersey you choose to wear, but... Oh, are you gonna wear your thirty-four one that you keep talking about? No, it's the thirty-eight one. Oh, whatever. Yeah, that's the one I got for you that Christmas. Remember, the the secret gift, secret yeah. Santa. Yeah. Anyone listening? Obviously, I do not have a a Nazi no. era, German era. He doesn't. But if you know how to get one, get into Zachary AM on. No, Twitter. no, <laughs> I do not want one. <laughs> Germany, though, oh, in the finals for the fourteenth time. And the 14th straight time since first getting there in 1972, they were obviously West Germany back then as well. Scotland, this is their fourth finals and their second straight. How many times you guys won? Uh, let's think. Uh, you... Carry the one? <laughs> we would have won in 96. If, Whatever. If we hadn't missed that penalty against England. Yeah, well, you if you had, if you had uh, then you would have been... Has suffered the same fate they did. Yeah, I, I was least happy after that. Um, 
We we, uh, we, we we've never done well in the Euro Championships. That's the last time we won, I think, ninety six. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. Um, but we we are the three time holders. Yep. And I group winners with Hungary and Switzerland. Mm, Hungary, Switzerland. G- Germany, Hungary might have some interesting supporters in attendance. <laughs> yes. The black the black shirts of Hungary. Yeah, yeah. That, that could be an interesting one. And the the Swiss, who I always mention, I don't like because they threw popcorn at me in nineteen ninety four. I'm one to hold long grudges. I got a message of that. I'm, I'm interested to see if he'll be commentating on it. Oh. I've got friends that's going over to the the tournament as well, and they're like, "Oh, not Germany! It's going to be tougher to get tickets." Oh yeah. But it's going to be an amazing atmosphere to have the first game of the tournament. I mean that that. It's going to be great. Scotland were in pot three. If they'd got some better results in their last two games, they could have been in pot two. But we were like, we don't want to be in pot two because pot three looked really difficult. But yeah. as it's turned out, we're in a difficult group. Hungary are on a tear just now. And Switzerland... Yeah, well, because Sobosla, right? Sobosla is a quality footballer. Yeah. Hungary's one of those... Teams. Orban, like, Golachi. They have a bunch of guys who are or former are former Dead Bull players. But you think back to the 50s and Puskas. Yeah. And like if you were to say to folk nowadays, oh, Hungary were such a, a force in world football in the 50s. And it's like, Puskas, you've heard of Puskas? He played for Hungary. And they'd be like, well, what happened to them? And it's one of those things. It's like, what did happen to them? It's like Scotland. We qualified for six out of seven World Cups from 74 to 98 and then just fell off the map. It's like, what happened to us? It's generations. It's like with Canada, we saw 40-year wait or 36-year wait between World Cups. Now we'll be in two in a row, albeit because we are hosting one. But it's whether we can now push on from that as Canadians and start to qualify. Although with the size that the tournament's getting, it would be... A bit yeah. of a shock, I think, if Canada don't now regularly get to World Cups through CONCACAF. But, yeah, there, there's some interesting groups. England, of course, as always, get a piss-easy group. Very disappointed with that. Slovenia, Denmark, Serbia. Serbia, who my complex manager's always very excited about and then gets so disappointed and let down <laughs> because they just don't perform in the in the group stages at these tournaments as well. But yeah, <laughs> Group D is the one that's got Netherlands, Austria, and France. So that is a oh yeah, one. Austria, yeah, yeah, Austria and the is pl- my bad. playoff winner of of Group A as well. Yeah, or the, the the playoff thing. I'm more interested uh, that, in who gets is... through playoff Group C though, because you've got Luxembourg and Kazakhstan in that, and for either of them to make it would just be amazing. But no, that group is. I forgot it was Austria. Yeah, that group is. That's going to be a tough group. You cannot sleep on Austria. They have some really quality players. Yeah, and it's like strong ties with Germany as well. But we'll move on from that. So that is it for our international chat to kick off the show. This week we're going to be turning our attention to the domestic scene and the Whitecaps in the next part. And we're also going to kick off the next part. It's the start of our festive 15. Now for anyone that doesn't know... We started this last year, and it's my homage to John Peel, his festive 50s that he did 
for many, many years on the BBC. Have so many of them on cassette tape. Managed to download a few as well since then. And what it would be is listeners... Initially it was him, but then it was listeners would vote for the top 50 tracks of the, the year and they would get put together from 50 to 1. Obviously I'm not throwing that out to the listeners because... A lot of the songs that would get picked would probably get us taken down from Spotify and stuff as well as being big things. But I I, I want to do my festive 15. It's the, the top 15 tracks that were released in 2023 that has excited me the most this year. There was one, Zach, I was going to include, but I decided not to. Although it was released this year... It is a track that had been recorded earlier, which was the last ever Beatles song, oh, Now yeah. and Then, which I don't know if you've listened to, but it's absolutely amazing. I and have not listened to it. It's on It's on um, Disney Plus and stuff, and there's a... a oh, yeah, it's a documentary and everything. Yeah. It would probably be in my top five, but also I'm pretty sure if I feature that on one of the shows, we'll, we'll get taken down for copyright because oh, the, there's yeah. certain artists and labels that, that just trigger those things all, all over the place. But also, is it a 2023 song? Tough to say. There was a couple that I'd penciled down, and then when I went back to check what month they were released, it turns out they were released in 2022, so I've had to redo my list. But we are mm. going to kick things off with the first track to kick off part two. Now, I'm going to say it's going to be a track that some of you will really hate and find it a hard listening so if you want to what's, fast what's, forward, what, what's new about that? Yeah, if you want to fast forward three-ish minutes, you you avoid listening to it. But we will be back with number fifteen after this. Hey, I am Axel Schuster, and I'm listening to the AFTN Sucker Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the first of our 2023 AFTN Festive 15. At number 15, Empire State Bastard. The side project from Simon from Biffy Clyro. That was the first single released by the band. I think it was released back in March from their debut album, Rivers of Heresy. That was Harvest. The album reached number three in the Scottish album charts. Not a song for everyone there, Zach. It's... I like it. What I will say, if you liked that song or you were not sure you want to hear more, that's one of the more accessible songs on their thrash metal hardcore album. I was thinking the same, yeah. Definitely more accessible. Yeah. Well, another one feature in the remaining places. Spoiler, no. But they have come in, Empire State Bastard, and that kicks off AFTN's 2023 Festive 15. What is going to be number 14? Find out at the start of the next part. But for this part, we're turning our attention back to the domestic scene Vancouver Whitecaps and the the Whitecaps news of the week. And there's there's stuff to talk about here, Zach. A little bit. Just a little bit. I am just delighted that MLS Disco have now completed their investigation into the shenanigans that happened during the Whitecaps playoff loss at home to LAFC on November 5th. The resulting action was plentiful. And the reason that I'm saying that I was delighted by that is I should probably be speaking to Vanny this week for our usual end-of-season chat. So I'm just glad that it was all announced before we get a chance to sit down and chat to him. So there's a lot to talk about here. We'll start on the playing side. So first of all, on the LAFC side, Jesus Murillo? Jesus Murillo? I'm genuinely not sure the Col- how... He's a, the Colombian centre-back? Yeah, the, the yeah. guy that rolled around like he had been shot mm-hmm. in the box after Richard Larea brushed against him. Well, he was fined an undisclosed amount for violating the league's simulation and embellishment policy for that first-half stoppage time incident with Larea. I wish they weren't undisclosed fines, though. I really genuinely wish that they were. I, I think part of the problem is, Michael, the fines are so low because That's of my the players' worry, yeah. union, and though they don't want to, they don't want to make them public. I think I because mean, you'll see, you'll see, as you're going to talk about in a minute later. There, there, there are times where they want you to know how much they are. Yes, yes, but yeah. So Mario got the LAFC fine. All the other action went against Whitecaps players. So, Disco fined the Whitecaps and head coach Vanni Sartini for violating the mass confrontation policy for the second time this season. In the when was the first time again? Minute. I can't remember, but it's actually... I'm surprised it's just been twice. I, I don't I don't mean that in any, any yeah, other way. Just no, that It just feels that you see it in every single game from teams that for it only to be twice is quite quite good it is something i hate i mean i I will say that i'm not i'm not deflecting from this at all referees have a tough job yeah and there is var now and you know that var is going to be looking at stuff 
So why crowd around the referee yeah. when there's VAR going to look at it? It just annoys me so much. Yeah, I think, like we said on the last show, I think they need to take, or I think it was the last show, or it was a conversation I was having with someone. They, they need to, they have the ability to change all this with 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 uh, red cards, with suspensions, with fines, with or even altering, upgrading the rules. And so... Uh, some of this maybe will what's happening in this case maybe that'll help but i think in the bigger picture fifa and the ifab this is something they could look at if they really truly want to change the culture and in 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 football i I don't know if i i think it was last week so i haven't talked to you about this but byron byron uh suffered some poor officiating there was some poor officiating in the champions league this week mike you might have seen it um, New Newcastle, in my opinion, were oh. absolutely absolutely robbed. Yeah, where the the case was the um, I believe the ball hit the the defender New, the defender from Newcastle hit his body first and then his arm, which my understanding the way the rules are worded that means it's not a handball, and it was not given on the field. But VAR said look at it right, and yep. then that was o- overturned. Well, in the Bayern game and the ref and it was interesting. The ref for the Bayern game was. I, I don't know. I can't remember her name, but she was the ref of the the the, the top class ref from the Women's World Cup who did the final. Um, she was oh. officiating their game, and um, anyways, no, she didn't give the penalty on the field. Uh, Var, no, she did give it. She, I think she did give it, and then Var called her over, and it was this. It was a similar thing, except for this time it hit it hit his arm first and then his body, and they took it away, and it was just like what. Now the only thing I can think of is it this I, I don't know if it says this in the rule or this is like uh whatever but I think maybe the ball didn't go past the shirt line but his arm was not in a natural position and all the other things fit perfectly so I felt Byron was like was really really hard done by but again there there needs to be clarification on some of these rules oh. especially around especially around handballs and whatever They're but I was I will say about MLS. I, I was really happy to see the. Um, I was really see the happy, happy to see them try and clamp down on on simulation, because yep. that will, that will help. Simulation, mass confrontation. That's mass the two confrontation, big yeah. things, and it's it's two of the things that I hate. And at, at some point, like it, whether it's like if you've done it for a third time, you're going to get docked points. It's got to oh, be wow, something yeah. drastic that's going to stop them doing it. What are they, Everton? <laughs> well, hey, do you know what? Everton are facing another points deduction as well because there's Wait, another investigation going on. Really? Yeah, I just heard that on a podcast this week. So what's going to happen to City if Everton's getting mashed up over this stuff? City's got to be... Tw- it'll be 2050 probably by the time it, it gets through everything. So they'll strip them of all their titles? I don't know. They still don't feel they've got a case to, to answer for. But, of course they don't. Yeah. But the, the the thing with all this, it, it's one of the things that I've loved watching the FA Cup this weekend because there's no VAR. And there's been some dodgy decisions. There's been penalties that weren't given that if there was VAR, it was going to be a clear penalty. Mm. It's like, oh, that guy would have been offside with VAR, but it's it's counted. And it's, it's, nice. it's one of the reasons I like going to things like VMSL and stuff because it's like it's just pure football. Yeah, but no VMSL, if you're honest, you like it because you're the VAR. Well, yes. <laughs> there was an incident at the game today that the the bench had said, 
lies with us offside. And he put his flag up. And I was like, yeah, that wasn't offside. And I watched the back. It's like, that's borderline. <laughs> and I was going to show the guy, but he was in the middle of the game at the time. But, but it, it's a simple game. It, it used to be jumpers for goalposts. That's all you needed to have a game of football, yeah. something to kick, jumpers for goalposts, you could have a game. And now it's just changing beyond. It, like We introduced it in Scotland, and there's growing calls for it to get taken away. It's not going to get taken away. Once it's here, it's whether you have like AI come in that makes the automated decision so the referee doesn't need to do it. But Michael, you can still have the same level in the, in the park now. You just need someone with their phone to video the game. Mm-hmm. And then you got VAR. And then oh, it's... Uh, clubs are using these VO cameras and stuff to do all these games. So. Yeah. But back back to the white caps because aside from the club and Vanny being fined for mass confrontation, due to the role in the mass confrontation, goalkeeper Yohei Takaoka, Ranko Veselinovic, Ryan Gold, and Simon Betcher have all been issued with undisclosed fines for inciting and or escalating a mass confrontation. Interestingly, nothing for Sam Adekukbe. I, I think we found his new nickname, Houdini. Yeah, I, I genuinely I do, I do not understand that. No, physically made contact with the official. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. The, I mean, I'm happy for Sam, but it makes no sense. The disco also found the Whitecaps technical staff and players in violation of the league's policy regarding entering the field of play Mm. during a confrontational incident which occurred in the 94th minute. Whitecaps assistant coaches Yusuf Daha and Michael Diagostino and Whitecaps midfielders Louis Martins and Ali Ahmed and defender Javain Brown have been fined an undisclosed amount for entering the field of play in a confrontational manner. Matthias Laborda has been issued yeah. a one-match suspension and a fine for entering the field of play in a confrontational manner. So what was the difference between the others and Laborda? Yeah. Laborda was right up at the ref. So I don't yeah. know if it was maybe that. I think so. I think that's what I think it was the level to which he went. Because I, I forgot to mention that to you. It was a couple of weeks after it because I started on my PVR. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch that again. And I was like, I never noticed Laborda the last time. You just see this pink bib right in front of the referee, and I'm like, oh, he's going to get done for that. Oh, yeah. It's no surprise. I think we all knew it was coming. Um, I think Laborda maybe got the toughest end of it, at least the Agostino and and everyone else wasn't given a one-match suspension, otherwise we'd be struggling for that first match. And Sam got the lenient end of the... Yeah. Well, considering we were on that call with Sam, and Har's like... What, what punishment are you expecting? So, and he's like, know. I'm expecting an email. <laughs> yeah. He didn't get it. <laughs> Maybe they lost his email address. I don't know. So, I mean, that that was it. There's nothing else to talk about. Really? Uh, was there? Oh, no, there, there was. Because there was a question of what was going to happen to Vanny. So, before we get to Vanny, the day before, Matt Miazga from FC Cincinnati got fined three games for entering the official's room because I, he I wasn't happy enter, with... He, he didn't oh, enter he the tried, room, did he? he tried to get into the room. Right, he was outside yelling at them. Or yeah, whatever. he tried to get in. It's what they were saying uh, because he was querying some yellow cards that were issued after the game. 
So we'll come to that in the next part when we, we talk to, about Cincinnati. But when that was handed down, I had tweeted out I was expecting six to ten games for Vanny. I've, I've The whole way along I've said minimum of six because the CSA rules are if a player does that, it's an automatic six-game ban. Yeah. Obviously, this isn't CSA, but that's kind of a standard. And the reason I thought six is not that he deserved six, but it was for accumulation. So he gets one for for coming onto the pitch, one for the gestures, one for returning back to the pitch, one for kicking the board, one for post-game comments, one for maybe another post-game comment. Add it all together and it does start to to add up. I, I feel... Yeah, except for the post-game comments is more, for me, more problematic than most of those things combined. But maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but... The, the thing is, so many folk have seen this and they're thinking he's got the six-game ban for the post-game comments, but it's not. It's it's the accumulation of everything. But, is, but that's, yeah, that's weird from the league. Like, it, I, yeah, it doesn't... I, I'd heard fun. murmurs a couple of weeks ago that it, w- it was going to be at least six. And the other thing I'd heard is there was a debate whether he was going to be allowed to be part of Whitecaps activities. Right. Or was it going to be a totally different thing, but like a Bruce Arena situation where you're not allowed anywhere near the team. Yeah. So thankfully it isn't that. But we've now got the crazy situation that he's going to be banned for the first six MLS matches, but he's going to then be in charge for Champions Cup and depending on when the Canadian Championship starts, that as well. So we're going to have different folk o- on the bench. But that happens all the time when you have a manager suspender, right? Yeah. yeah. The other thing as well, though, is with BC Place, he could technically sit right in the front row of the stand and just yell. But is that against the spirit of the thing? Because I know, like, before, remember yeah. Mourinho? Do you know the, the Mourinho well, the, story? Yeah, there's, there's spirit. But it's like you're not breaking any rules. But you remember the Mourinho story, right? Oh, yeah, aha. Uh-huh. Where he's like in the locker room where he was supposed to be, and then they, yeah. he jumped in the the uh, the dirty laundry bin or whatever. Because you don't guy... even have like headsets and stuff as well. And But that's the thing. I think MLS will make it clear to them what's allowed and what's not allowed, no? Well, like... I'm going to ask Vanny that. The other thing as well is someone posed, oh, next time someone speaks to Vanny to ask him this, I'm going to ask ask him this. Now, as a coach, he's going to have a set answer, but how much does having a coach not there actually affect anything? Because then you're kind of questioning how important is a coach. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to answer, that's pretty important. Because <laughs> otherwise... Like, well, you shouldn't get yourself suspended for six games. No, but no, but yeah, I mean, what's he going to say? No, it doesn't matter if I'm on the bench or not. I know. I'm just curious to see how he answers that. So basically, the, the six games, it was an automatic one-match suspension for being sent off in the game. So he's got the five because he violated league policies for entering the field of play in a confrontational manner. Public criticism. You have to feel the gestures as well. And maybe coming back out as well. But it's not just the six games. He was also issued a $20,000 fine. Not as Yahoo Sports put in their article, because someone sent me this, a $200,000 fine. (laughs) <laughs> which would, I think, be his whole salary. <laughs> but yeah, it's a $20,000 fine, which is hefty. 
He must also complete a league-approved behavioural assessment and comply with any recommended treatment. Sartini will serve his one-match suspension for the red card during Vancouver's first match of 2024 and then following the next five MLS matches. Based on his compliance with with any recommended treatment programmes, Sartini may petition for a reduction of his suspension. So it could be reduced, Zach, and I feel the best ways that it could be reduced is Vanny just needs to show them his Italian passport and goes, I'm Italian, this is how we are. Yeah, good luck with that. It's an injustice. I I, I, I know in this, uh, most of the fans, they want accountability for the process of evaluation and our consequences for the referee. And I think that's a valid thing that maybe there's more transparency when it comes to that. But, um, I mean, say what you want about the referee and his performance. Danny's accountable for his actions. And I think all yeah. of them were, oh, he admits were, that quite, though as well. were, were quite appalling. And I think actually six games is quite light personally. I've had a couple of folks say that the general consensus as it was too it's, much, but I, and especially kind of what I was expecting, especially Michael, if one is for this and one is for that and one is for that, like that's, I think the yeah, I think it's light if that is the case. That that is the uh, the reality. Well, I mean, I'm I'm making light. They just have to show his passport. Maybe see he'll cut back on the espressos and things. But like in all seriousness, what does this mean for Vanny's future? Because he he's a guy on the sidelines that behaves like I would, but I am not an MLS qualified head coach. Can he control his behavior? It's like we had this discussion about Lucas Cavallini on the pitch last year. Can Cava control how he is? Can Vanny control himself on the sideline? What well, happens well, this, if he has this, another big blowout like this? Well, this isn't this why there he's doing all this course. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean like it, I, I'm assuming it's like an anger management course. That's what Somebody, it reads like. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, though, how it's worded as opposed to how Matt Miazga's is worded, which we'll come to in the next part as well. But, I mean, what, what will it mean for the team at the start of the season? He'll have them set up. Michael yeah. Diagostino's then going to be on the bench, and he's he's been in charge of the team before. Yeah. I don't think it'll be that big. Suspended. I don't think it's going to be that big a deal, Michael, because he can do the training. He can be with the with the, the squad, and I think it'll be more of a narrative for media and fans than it will be actually impactful for the team. Probably. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. There has been some other Whitecaps news this week. More news. Yeah, the the Caps confirmed on Friday ahead of MLS's oh. deadline to exercise another, another big announcement? contract options. Another big announcement, right? It was an announcement that there was no announcement. <laughs> I, I kind of felt. Basically, the club will not exercise midfielder Russell Tybert's 2024 contract option. However, discussions are ongoing. The club is also continuing discussions with on-loan wing-back Richie Larea, as well as Sebastian Berhalter and Junior Hoylett, both of whom are, or all three of whom are out of contract at the end of the year. For Tiber, there's no surprise. They were never taken up his 2024 option. This is a player that made a guaranteed $449,375 in 2023. He's 30 
soon to become 31. He made just seven MLS appearances this year. None of them starts. He played a total of 147 minutes. No goals, no assists. He played just two minutes over the last 12 games. 30 minutes in two League Cup games and had three starts in the Canadian Championship. He's made 253 MLS appearances since 2011. Four goals, 21 assists during that time. Three goals were in one season, right? Yeah. (laughs) And most of those assists as well were in that one season. He was rewarded this year by making his 300th overall appearance. But when you look, when you break the numbers down like that, especially how much he contributed, there was no way they were going to pick his option up. But obviously, there's still a stumbling point as to do they bring him back on a reduced deal? A, is Tiber willing to take a reduced deal? I mean, if he's not, he's not going to get that money anywhere else. Does he feel, oh, do I just hang my boots up now? Or does he drop down to... CPL, USL, does he get a St. Ricketts-style one-year deal where he's on a reduced salary? We talked about this when it was announced a couple of weeks ago and then gets a job in the front office. I still think that's the most likely. And if you can get him for, I don't know, 125, 150 tops, ideally even less than 100, but give him a front office deal as well, I think that's palatable to me because you've got a depth player that you can rely on. But equally, there's going to be way better depth players out there for that kind of money. Yeah. Uh, oh, first off, I, I agree with you as the, uh, as a wonderful uh, fellow Brit once said, no alarms and no surprises for sure with not taking up his option. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think there would be more I think there would be more respect for his decision-making if he did choose to go and play in a different league, whether that be CPL, uh, USL, maybe if it was a possibility, Europe somewhere or whatever. I think more people would be like intrigued and want to follow that. You know what I mean? Well, um, but you think of the potential that he had as well. Like what happened? He's, he's, he's just stagnated. Well, and he then was, has con- gone he was backwards. Con- he was converted from like at a, a central attacking midfielder to a, an attacking winger to a left back to a center mid. Like he's gone through lots of change, which is not abnormal. Um, you know, um, yeah, more playing po- playing yeah. position changes and haircut changes. And that's <laughs> a lot. No, no, he's had more haircut changes. But um, it, it, the the caliber player, it's not the same caliber player, but it reminds me. Um, of kind of what happened with Bastian Schweinsteiger at, at Bayern Munich. When he came through as a, as a youngster from the residency, he was put out on the left wing. And he had some success there, both at club level and, and, and for the national team. And then he also did cover a little bit at left back before it was, it wasn't until I think it was 2010 when Louis van Hall came in and Louis van Hall said, no, you're a central midfielder. You're like a, a like a six or six slash eight. That's where you need to be. We can use your ball winning, your, uh, but more so your your passing and your vision and whatever, and your leadership from the middle of the park. And it like transformed him. And uh, obviously, he was a massive part of the 2014 uh, World Cup winning side. But um, well, so players, fun. players, players go through that. All that to say, yeah. players go through that. But uh, yeah, it, it it has it 
his process, unlike Schweinsteiger, I would say, neutered his offensive capabilities and his and his qualities. And so it would be, I think it would be awesome if he went somewhere else and either was able to rediscover those or um put in a situation where he could use those more. Um or or even if he was a you know defensive holding midfielder, but was someone who uh, was able to you know help dictate the tempo of a of, of of matches and of how a side plays. I think there I think there'd be a lot of like respect for him in doing that. I don't see that happening though. I don't. No. I really, I really see him either like hanging it up or him doing like you're saying, like trying to stay here on a lower contract or stay here in some hybrid situation or or whatever. But I, I yeah. It, there's I, there's been a lot of hate online for him this week, which I, I, I some of it has crossed the line. Some of it is a little bit really overblown. What do people, people say that was bad? I I, I didn't uh, see this. Just like folk just don't feel he has any value whatsoever. Now, if you can get him on a really low contract, he has great value because his MLS experience. And the problem is he isn't flashy. He doesn't get the assists. Again, again that... he's not flashy now, but he no. was. In the day. Yeah. Well, it's like you talk about Bastian Schweinsteiger. He he is the Bastian. Like his his role is as a Bastian. It's like defensive midfielder is the Bastian of attack. It's the thing that thwarts attacks or yeah, yeah. how it's meant to be. But by that position, you don't get lots of goals. You don't get lots of assists. You don't look exciting. And it's, I, I think that is something that has been kind of his weight to carry as well. And then folk use that to say, well, you're not getting much out of him. And I've I've been guilty for that. And I still think we can get better than him. But, but he is I, somebody I, that's always been reliable. That if you're desperate, this sounds awful. If you're desperate and you've got a, a, a number of players out, he's a guy that you can bring in and you know what you're getting from him. But he, yeah, but here's the thing: you can be that kind of player and be a world like a world beater, right? Like, well, uh, Matilaba, Andres Kubis, are two white caps. Well, yeah, I, I was thinking more. I was thinking on on a, on a different plane, but like, well, I'm Claude trying to Mc keep it on a, at least no, a, like Claude, Claude McAlealy, right? Claude McAlealy and like Didier Deschamps, right? They were like called the water carriers, but they were also players who would contribute going forward a little bit, or or. You know, with McAlealy more with passing than shooting for sure, but Dave Schomp would score would score some goals. Um, whereas the problem with Rusty is that most well, the reason why I think there's some hate for him uh, that you mentioned is because the way he played, it wasn't like he doesn't have the flash. It was like everyone would complain. It was like it's like he became June Marcus Davidson, where everyone's it was, like it was all passing the ball back. Yeah, yeah he always passes backwards or to the side. And and again, part of that I would say is how much of that is tactical coaching or whatever, mm -hmm. as opposed to him him who he is. Because we know it wasn't who he was. No. Right. So no. I think it got I but think then, it got coached out of him a little bit. You've but. also got the situation this year where you've got Sebastian Berhalter, who's similar yes. position and yes. has come in and done better and shows yeah. way more in the attacking and, and, thing. And exactly done what you need a six to yeah. pop up every so often and be able to shoot from distance and. And shoot in a way that teams are going to have to respect that, and so it creates 
space for other players and opportunities for other players because they see you coming through or making a late run or whatever. I mean, if they can get the deal done with Berhalter, which I really hope they do, then for me, they don't even need to have Rusty as the depth and I would like him to move on. Now, another option could be, and he might not want to do this because we've never seen him drop down to this level before, but like sign an MLS Next Pro deal and be the guy that leads those players through or something. I can't see that happening. I would be I'd be stunned. He never wanted to play WFC too when he wasn't yeah. getting games. So exactly, yeah. yeah. But it's an interesting one. I just don't know what he does next. And if he hadn't been here for as long as he's been, the decision would be easy. He'd be cast aside. They wouldn't even be having discussions with him. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. It's like if that's the only reason that you're still having the discussions, cut it loose. Let it go. It's in, it'll be interesting how it plays out, though. I, I know. Uh, uh, some of the scuttlebutt used to be that he was Bobby's link to the locker room. And so he had that connection to Bobby and that maybe also contributed to the part of his longevity within the, within the club. Well, there's and, a lot of folk feel that he was one of the people that started that whole meltdown in 2018 at the end of season press conference. Yeah. Oh and yeah. And yeah, that, that was, yeah. But 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 so but so yeah, but I if if now publicly Bobby's role is diminished, although when he tells it to people privately, it's so he's doing the same thing he's always done. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Rusty and if that is in any way any indication to the influence that Bobby still wields or or doesn't. Hmm. Or, or or that might be all wrong and yeah. there's no correlation. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I've always said if the Whitecaps have Russell Tybert as a starter or close to being a starter, they're not going to go anything because the league's changed so much. Well, so this was this the, first, this moved, is the first year it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. We've moved so far away from that that it's good. And I wish Rusty well. I just think for him, for the club, the best thing would be if he wants to st- still play, go somewhere else. If he's happy yeah. to hang up the boots and take a front office role, he would be an asset to that front office, what he could do in the community. He knows the club. He loves the club. He loves the city. He could do so much in that aspect. It's whether he feels he's got more in him or not. Yeah, I agree. Just to, to close this part off, just some dates to watch out for that's upcoming for the White Cap. Uh, December 11th, the trade window opens at 6am mm. Pacific time for trades within the league. Be interesting to see. Do you think, do you think White Caps are going to be active in that? I don't know. Vanny always talks about there's always interest in the Whitecaps players. Robbo always talked about that as well. I mean, that there's some players you'd love to make a move for. We might have to move something out uh, in return. Russell Tyler. But I don't know, because it really... The big thing I want is an experienced centre-back that if you can get someone from within the league. December 12th is the end of year waivers. Can't see that being very eventful. December 13th, free agency opens. Can't see that being very eventful for the Whitecaps, as we talked about last year. Tax implications make it very hard for the Whitecaps to get these free agents because they can basically make 20 to 25% more if they sign for teams in certain states because of tax stuff. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Re-entry draft stage one is December 14th with stage two a week later. And then the big one. The MLS draft, December 19th. Uh, is this the first year it's been held in the year before? It's always been in oh, No, no, last year it was held in December, last year's December? as well, yeah. Okay. 
Um, the um... it's because everything's starting early. Because depending on oh, because also in amongst there, I should mention December thirteenth is the draw for the Champions Cup. Oh right. So depending on what happens in that, that for for anyone that doesn't know, there's two levels. So half the teams will start at the start of February, and then the other half will start two weeks later. So depending on when the white caps get drawn. If they're in the first half of teams that are going to kick things off, they will basically be in the second week of January for preseason training. Oh, right. Because li- I've seen the, you know different teams make their announcements about their squad updates or whatever. Mm. But the actual list for the re-entry draft stuff, that doesn't come, does that come after the free agency, like, like the day before? Or like one of those lists comes out? Um, I think I think it'll come out before, but there's... Okay. Been players that's some... been on it that can take themselves off it. And, yeah, yeah, right, right. Because we've had some, that's been fun in the past. Looking at those, lists, you'd be like, okay, who would you want, in Vancouver? Or yeah, if it, if anything does fit? come out before the next week's show, we'll we'll yeah. try and cast our our eyes over it. But I'm not sh- I'm not hundred percent sure it will, to be honest. But yeah, there's still a lot of busy MLS stuff to come. Uh, we will be having our end of year chats with Vanny and for Axel. Either both for our Christmas special, or maybe we'll have Vanny one week and then Axel the other. Uh, Vanny is, he's been over in Italy, seeing his family and seeing his grandma, which was nice. So he's back for a little bit, and then he's going away again after that. Um, And then we'll speak to Axel, but I might wait to speak to Axel if he's still in town, which he should be, until after the MLS draft, just so we can get everything covered with him. But that is it for the Whitecaps chat. Uh, we are going to be continuing the MLS chat next as the MLS Cup final has been set after we hear song number 14 in our festive 15. Hey, I'm Julian Gressel and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's number 14 in AFTN's Festive 15 for 2023. From Austin, Texas, it's the third track from their debut full-length album. The band is called De Spitz. The song is called Groping Dogs, Gushing Blood, and that's taken from their album Teeth. Very good band. Toyed with making a second song of theirs in the in the Festive 15, haven't. Had them in mind for an Artist of the Month as well, but since we're stopping that, this is the chance to hear them. Great band, four-piece girl band from Austin and Texas, and they've got that that Riot Girl, that 90s sound. Because you, you know, I've told you before how much I love Courtney Love and Hall and Bikini Kill and all the Riot Girl stuff from the 90s. This band, De Spitz, and another band called Shitfire, who, spoiler, will also feature in the Festive 15 this year, capture that sound fantastically. And it goes into what Caitlin always says, all my bands sound alike. De Spitz from Austin, Austin, who didn't have uh, a good MLS season this year, surprising. No, no, they did not. No, but you know, two teams have LAFC, Columbus Crew, and those two teams will be battling it out next Saturday for the 2023 MLS Cup. It's all set. We're going to just chat a little bit in this part about both of the conference finals. I know you couldn't get to to watch them live. Did you watch the highlights? Hopefully you have. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, sure. that's good. Well, we'll start off in the East. First up, the Ohio Derby, FC Cincinnati, Supporter Shield winners, hosted their cross-state rivals, Columbus Crew, in front of over 25,000 fans. What an amazing atmosphere. It was just fantastic to see the stadium packed out. And, oh, what a game as well. But yeah. before we get into the match, want to revisit something we mentioned in the last part. Mm-hmm. One player missed the match, which was FC Cincinnati centre-back and MLS Defender of the Year, Matt Miazga. Miazga was handed a three-game suspension by MLS's Disco this week, issued an undisclosed fine as well for his misconduct following Cincinnati's match against the Red Bulls on November 4th. Additionally, and this is why I said it's interesting how this is worded compared to Vanny's, Miazga will undergo a behavioural assessment through the Substance Abuse and Behavioural Health Programme. Hmm and may petition for a reduction suspension based on continued commitment and compliance with any recommended treatment programmes. So again, that that might just be simple as anger management, but it's just weird that it mentions the substance abuse part. It's just weird that 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 was in that and it wasn't in Vanny's. Because when that first got announced, there's a guy, MLS Ref Stats, who has a Twitter account and he's very good at answering things to do with refereeing. I think he is a referee. I mean, is that normal wording for these things? And he's like, no, it's not. So, I, I don't they want, know. They want to, to emphasize it for some reason. Yeah. That, as soon mm. as you see that, your mind does go down that route of, oh, what, what are they saying caused that? But it, yeah. might, it might just be anger 
management or just that they feel he's just a loose cannon or whatever. But the suspension will be served during the remainder of Cincinnati's games this season and into next. So that was just, as it turned out, the one game, which was the Eastern Conference final, and the other two will now be served next year. Now, they again, said, no, they'll, they'll be league games, right? Not any uh, yeah. CONCACAF Cup games, right? No, so it's, it's, yeah. it's pure regular season games. So he has said to have angrily either entered or approached, banged on the door, yelled the uh, the official's dressing room. So most people here will want to know, how did he get to Tim Ford's dressing room? <laughs> <laughs> that was that, and that was interesting. But then the next day, things took a little bit of a twist. Yes, did you, yes. you saw the statement see, yes, that the MLS yeah. Players Association issued. Yeah, very interesting. It is, and I, this could roll on. Now, it obviously has not helped. Miazga managed to play in this this game at the, the weekend against Columbus, but maybe it will get stuff re- reduced for next year. But the MLSPA issued a statement saying that they condemn the behaviour of the Professional Soccer Referees Association, the PSRA, who is the organisation that was wanting firm action against Vanny, they tweeted that out, and certain PSRA members with regard to the incident. They said both the match report approved by the officials and the statements released by the PSRA regarding the incident contained material falsehoods. And since then, the PSRA has not only failed to correct these falsehoods, its president has continued to repeat them publicly. To respect the integrity of the disciplinary process, they didn't want to comment till afterwards. But they've said video footage was made available and reviewed during the disciplinary process that confirmed that statements made by the referees and the PSRA were false. Unfortunately, that evidence does not appear to have been appropriately factored into MLS's decisions. So is, is this is this you is this specifically to do with him entering the room or not? I think it is because yeah. I, I I'm sure I had seen that he'd entered the room, but then yeah. you were saying to me, no, no, he hadn't. Yeah, well, that's what I heard later. But yeah, um, so that that is interesting. It also says MLS has not publicly condemned the PSRA for their irresponsible actions and false statements. Yeah, and, and again. Of course, people in Vancouver jumped all over saying because they want accountability for for referees and their discipline or yeah. their, or their you know how their errors are being uh, evaluated or uh, you know what what measures did they have to take maybe to um, you know players are doing be- players and coaches are being asked to do behavioral treatment yeah are, are referees be asked to be doing oh you know, that was the thing as well so many folk after the Vanny thing said so what what punishment has there been for Tim Ford. And as far as we know, none, because well, he, missed, he, he missed was doing VAR last week. Right, he missed one round of games, and then he was in the VAR room. Yeah, but then he wasn't in this round of games. So it's like they're not in every round of games. So yeah. by the looks of it, none. Also, like, y- you were joking, how how did he get into Tim Ford's dressing room at BC Place? How did he get to the referee's locker room at well, no, okay. Arena I'll, is a thing? Because I'll, I'll, I'll jo- MLSPA said the stadium security had a breakdown that allowed that incident to occur. Right. What's the so, punishment there? 
yeah i mean i'm sure i'm sure there are some behind the scenes uh issues there because i remember when i used to uh, attend ML mls matches in person uh, that are not in other cities um yeah no they they have a person who is their sole like a security person their sole job is to to look after the referees so we used to know the one of the guys who did that in uh at bc place and so we would talk to him you slip know, him a but... fiver get let no, into no. the room with your baseball bat no 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 nobody I... saw anything no michael but um but no they have people who are... flag they have people it's both security and i think logistical as well just there to like support them and whatever look after them and that kind of stuff um so to me it's kind of yeah it's, it, it's interesting too, that there was a breakdown and that maybe someone wasn't doing their job or yeah some measures were not taken or available or didn't happen or whatever so it would be interesting to know what those were and how and you know the reason why and all that kind of stuff but um uh, yeah, it, it, uh, you hope at some point there will be a clarification over what was actually false that was put out that was never corrected. Yeah. I think I think that is significant, not to get all you know fake news, whatever, blah blah. blah but but it, if if there well, was false information given, then it needs to be. Yeah, it, it does, and it also the players and the supporters, the trust that they now yeah. have in referees is is going to be even less. Yeah, oh, it, to it totally erodes trust for sure. It, it's just a very interesting twist, and it's one certainly to, to keep an eye on. But it meant me as a missed Cincinnati's game against Columbus. I'm sure was... they were fine. I'm sure they were fine without him. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they, they were coasting. Everything was good. They were co they were coasting. Yeah. It, it's that old chant to, no, and you fucked it up. And they did, big yeah. time. Because, uh, oh, yeah. It finished... FC Cincinnati 2, Columbus Crew 3. What a game. Yeah, it was Worthy a of a conference final and a, a local derby. derby. Oh. Mo Farsi handed yeah. his third straight star over Julian Gressel. But Although this time, Julian Gressel <laughs> maybe yeah. had the, had the answer to that. Yeah. I mean, when, when the trade from the Whitecaps to Columbus was happening for Gressel, I'd said, yeah, getting some money for him would be great. I would also take some money and Mo Farsi in return because I, I wasn't really sure that he was going to factor in to to what Columbus were looking to do there. But Wilfred Nonsi had a plan and, and Nonsi we trust clearly. I mean, Farsi last year, well, first of all, we spoke a little bit about him last week, but what a rise. PLSQ to CPL to MLS, next Pro, to MLS. Last year, named to the 2022 MLS, next Pro, best 11. Signed last summer the, his MLS deal, and he's just pushed on since then. And we, we won't go over what we went on about last week, but, I mean, it's a great rise. rise. He bet on himself, and mm -hmm. now to get three straight starts in the playoffs is tremendous. Yeah, and he's contributed in the playoffs. Yeah, he was excellent. Which has been even more more. Significant. I mean, he was taken off in this one because they needed to get something going. They were they were and, two down. They had to get some kind of fresh spark on. And it was interesting because there it seemed like there was this falling out between Nancy and and uh, Gressel over mm. the Gressel, you know, not getting the, the the starts and the time or whatever. But whether it was you know Nancy, Nancy you know swallowing his pride or Nancy just saying this is the right time or whatever. 
as a coach, he looks like a genius because Gressel really helped turn the tide in this game. After, after their win, I saw a lot of chatter about this on Twitter, on Discord, and on Reddit as well. And it's not something we looked at last week when we looked at potential national team managers. If Wilfred Nonsi, say, goes on and lifts the cup with Columbus, would he be open to taking the national team job? I wouldn't say no to it. I saw I saw some more chatter about, from this on, on X or whatever, or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Um, I still call it Twitter. And there were some people saying, why would he leave when he's in such a, a good run at a club at a club level to go to a national team that has you know let's call it issues mm. yeah i mean the the, the lure of 2026 is always yeah, there that's the that's the thing you're guaranteed and, you're going to be at a world cup and despite the issues you have the opportunity to coach some quite outstanding especially attacking players which also, he is, he's a very attacking coach yeah so. if you win the mls cup it's hard to push on from that yeah, yeah they win another, or you go on a big run in the Champions Cup. Yeah, that's right. So it, it's like he might think, "Well, I've I've done this now. Yeah, let's look true. to the the next thing." But they will get a chance after this victory. But it certainly didn't look that way because Cincinnati went into the break two goals up, fourteenth minute. Brandon Vasquez, nice footwork in the box. Yeah. After since he capitalised on a poor Columbus giveaway, and then. Two minutes in the first half stoppage time. Luciano Acosta, MVP, showed exactly wow. why. What a finish. It was a great goal all round because the little back heel on the free kick to Acosta mm -hmm. and just curled it through. How it got through all those players, I don't know. You'd think it, someone would have stuck a leg out at some point. It was, it was one of those goals where you're like, he meant that as a cross, but it was... Or he meant for... He, I think he ideally meant for someone to get on the end of it, but yeah. it was so well hit that the fact that no one did still meant that it, you know, kissed the post and went in. Yeah. And I'll say again, who wouldn't want Luciano Acosta on their team? Who who wouldn't? Do you yeah. think we could maybe make a trade for him? Well, I I don't, I don't swap see that. swap deal with Russell Tybert. Well, I mean that sounds that sounds fair. I I, I would I'd take that <laughs> if I was Columbus. It's like yeah. So I mean. It looked a tall order for Columbus, especially the way the game had been going. But you kind of felt they're just going to go for it in the second half. And if they can get the next goal, it's very much game on. But Cincinnati should have put the game to bed. Schulte... Yes, yes, they should very much have. Bupenza, what, four or five minutes at the start of the second half. Brilliant save by Schulte, who came up with a number of, of big saves, by yes, the way. Again. Two uh, two rounds in a row. Yeah. And then Columbus started to come into it. 69th minute, Bupenza had the ball in the back of the net to potentially make it 3-0. But right away I saw it and I was like, oh, it's a clear hand ball. Yeah. Um, well, that's the one, yeah, the, the, the rebounded, deflected off his hand, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could see it live, though. You could see that his hand pushed it in I, the net. I could feel, I could, I, it was funny because as I was watching the highlight, I could just feel like Joe Deasy's blood boil, you know, the the memories of Thierry Henry. Oh. <laughs> you know, and like, no, oh. no, you know, the no VAR, you know, that was one of the moments that led to VAR, right? When you were watching the highlights, did you know the results? Did you know who'd won? 
Uh, yes, I did actually. Ah. Which was yeah, which was unfortunate. Yeah, because but... if you didn't, this would have been the one hell of a game to watch play out. Oh, well, no, when it started, I was just like, I, I, so I was like, wait, who, who? Won? I was like, wait, this is a huge, this is a massive comeback. So, seventy-fifth minute, Columbus Pool won by Alvis Powell on goal after turning a Gressel cross into his own net. There's I think Gressel was offside. It was oh. very close. And they did a review and he was given it, but it's one of those ones, if the lines were there, I oh, think right. it would have been an offside one. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Ten minutes later, though, 2-2, Diego Rossi. And again, this one started from a Gressel cross Indeed into the box as well. That delivery that we saw with the white caps, ah, oh, I missed that. He was just pinpoint for the caps. He was pinpointing this game as well. Switched to the other side at one point as well, but it's 2-2. And at that stage, the only team you thought was going to win it was Columbus. They just had their tails up, and Cincinnati just looked like they didn't know what hit them. And, and Gressel would get involved in the third. Yeah. He was involved. His cross was like the beginning of the play. It was, you know, hap- I think the goal happened like three or four or five passes. Yeah, late, like but... he's not going to get an assist for it, but no, he was involved. No. No, but yeah, the, yeah, the winner. And he also, after the goal went in, did did he sort of look back at the bench? The, oh, uh, I didn't I, notice that. Uh, maybe he was looking. Maybe he was looking at a, a teammate or something. Uh, he might just be reading stuff into it now. Yeah. But yeah, hundred fourteenth minute, Christian Ramirez. This, if you're Cincinnati, if you're Pat Noonan watching that defending, you're like, how do you let that happen? Yeah. Towards the end of a conference final, Cucho was allowed to ghost into the back. Yeah. Absolute free header across goal. And Ramirez just puts it away. Totally unselfish as well. Totally. Kirk, he could easily have gone for goal there. Kirk was watching it with me and he was uh, uh, commenting on the, poor, on the poor quality of defending on that play. Oh, it was really bad. Like, talking of unselfishness, I don't know if this made the highlights or not. There was a chance in the first half when it was 1-0. Columbus were on the break. Rossi had it. And he had an, an open man to his right. And if he'd just played the ball, it would have been probably the equaliser. But he went for the shot and cut cut out to his outside and then ran out of room. I can't remember if that was in what I saw, but... It's I that mean, kind of stuff that annoys you because it's like, you can't oh yeah. be selfish. You, you've you got a wide open guy. And but going back, trailing. We're, we're talking about their defence. I mean, it was in, it was so costly to not have Miazga, right? Like, Yeah. Great season for Cincinnati and the atmosphere in the stadium. The stadium, I I haven't seen lots of games in the East the last couple of seasons. And I always forget when I see Cincinnati Stadium how nice it is. It's so compact. It's loud. The fans are right on the pitch. I was watching it jealous in the first half because I was thinking to myself, oh, what you would give for a stadium like that here in Vancouver, whether it's the Whitecaps, whether it's Vancouver FC, just somebody that's got that stadium where you're right, soccer-specific, right on the pitch, got that atmosphere, roofs. Yeah, I was I was quite as, jealous watching as, that. Has that ship sailed for the Whitecaps? I don't know whether it has, because I, I haven't heard anything for about the last two years in this, but the rumour had been... Hastings Park, stadium get built where the race course was, and it would be a soccer-specific stadium, ready for 2026, when the lease is up at BC Place. 
they're going to have to get on with that quick if that was going to happen. It could yeah. still be done. Yeah, it could. But I, I don't know. I'd like to see them move on. I genuinely would love them to have a soccer-specific stadium. Yeah. We, we won't get do. into Vancouver FC just now as well, but it's like they need a chance. Like, Can you imagine how different that stadium would be if they'd been given land and said, build what you want? Oh, I, uh, I, I can Oh, yeah, imagine. you do know because we've seen the plans. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, I think, a few different versions of <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, that was, that was a bad example then. But, I mean, I'd love the Whitecaps to get a stadium like that. It would just be so good for them. And you've still got BC Place for big games, for big celebrations and, and stuff as well. Because it's going to be interesting in 2026. Someone had messaged me. I keep forgetting to reply to him because I get all these emails in my AFTN account, and I'm on all the the CPL and the MLS mailing lists, oh. and it takes, like, in a day, something can come in in the morning, and it's about 50 or 60 emails down by the afternoon, and I've forgotten about it. So, so someone you, had you... messaged asking about how behind BC Place is for 2026, oh. because things should be starting, they should be starting to look at things just now. Are they, are they behind? I don't know. I need to look into that, but it's going to be interesting what happens in 2026 because the Whitecaps aren't going to get in the stadium for a a, a big chunk of that. Whether MLS like... maybe isn't on at that time or not, I don't know. Also, it sounds like you need a personal assistant, Michael. I, it would help, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're happy to work for digestives, <laughs> give me a call. The second conference final wasn't as a classic a game. It wasn't, but it was an occasion. That's yeah, for sure. It was entertaining in bits, especially the start. The tifo, or can you? Well, it's not really. Can you it's call it, it tifo? Yeah, wasn't there? There was an overhead, wasn't there? Like of the logo. Oh, I haven't seen the actual. But I've only seen the flares. Well, no. I, if you look closely, Mike, you, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the beginning, but I only seen the one clip on Twitter. I look for other ones. I haven't seen anything come up on YouTube yet, but. It looks like there's an overhead in the middle of the section. That's the LAFC logo. Oh. And the flares are, there's, yeah, about a dozen flares on each side of it, which, yes, costs quite, costs quite the. It has. <laughs> the yeah. Um, in the, in the, in the community. Because, it's interesting that you say Führer because, yeah. and I, I won't make any German jokes. But I was, I was having this discussion with Caitlin because here you say Führer, but in the UK we say Ferrari. Oh, let's go with Führer. Führer. I like Führer. Yeah, Ferrari's better for you to say. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, "Oh, he's going to say something." The the flare display it was it was striking, but yeah, it, it was also delayed the start of the match for all the smoke. Yeah, that's whatever. That's not a, that's that's a to me a non-issue. I mean, maybe Apple TV doesn't like that, but yeah. Um, the, we've, I mean, the, we've had these issues recently in Scotland as well because the Rangers fans did it at a game which was absolutely spectacular. Are you um, saying something nice about Rangers? Sometimes I do. I mean, it, they did an absolutely amazing job. The Motherwell fans did it as well, but it, it's caused backlash as well because. Some folk that were asthmatic were like the smokes affected me, and it delayed the game. And oh, the problem the problem in MLS and what most supporters or supporters groups that you might have seen commenting on it is that 
it's been a a no go in MLS. Like you, yeah. it's, in, it's in their code of conduct that flares are not allowed. Yep. Smoke devices of certain kinds within certain regulations within certain yeah, states. If you've got the buckets, if you've got the well, procedures it, it, in place. Yeah, it's not that simple, but yes. So I, I I think I don't know if they've only used the smoke devices before because some people on Twitter were talking about like oh they've done this before and I was like I don't fully re- I don't I definitely don't remember it on this scale like a you know yeah. a couple dozen at a time yeah because you you would because this, would, this yeah. was like wow yeah but it uh, here's here's my take it looked great I think it's great um, but there is there like it would be nicer if if some like. Like I, I'm honestly, like, I would be okay if it was like, yeah, they got permission from the fire marshal, and whatever, like, or their, you know, whatever, like, or their club said this is cool, or the club said we don't care, we want you to do it, or whatever, or they said we're doing it, we don't yeah, care. Yeah, we'll, we'll pick up the fine. We'll pick up the fine, whatever. whatever. But it, it, MLS is going to have to come out and say, you know, something about it because. Well, it's like, do they use it in their? advertising because they've been oh. very good at that over the years oh we don't well, want it, this but here if, look if the league doesn't the the uh lafc will oh, um absolutely. because here, here's the thing michael you and i have actually you know i have friends who in 2011 chose to do a flare display at an away match in at salt lake city and they were like banned for like a year or they were banned from away travel or they were banned from that stadium or whatever whatever like there was there was like significant consequences for it, right? It wasn't quite. It as wasn't that as... time we did it in Abbotsford. No, that was a, that was smoke. That was not a flare. Oh. The orange, the orange canister. The yeah. Orange, yeah, that was that was a smoke ah. device that we were testing. Um, but um, so like, yeah, it, I, I get people's frustration. Though, I mean, people are essentially saying, "Oh, look, you know, an LA club gets to do whatever they want, and everyone yeah. else is play play by the rules." That, that that is a valid conversation. It'll be interesting to see what an MLS chooses to do. Um, my perspective is: I, I thought it looked, I thought it looked great, and uh, I hope that the I hope that things move forward in that way. Uh, I do recognize that displays like that can have a safety risk, and obviously yeah. you want to mitigate, uh, you know, the any potential harm or whatever. Um, and you want those type of things to be done as safely as possible. But I, I personally, I personally like them so. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I like them. I think they look spectacular. My only issue that I do have with it is that if you know that they're not allowed, you, you might have a ticket for that section and you think, yeah, I know what goes on in this section. Everything's fine. I'm happy with it. Mm. But like, genuinely, you could be asthmatic or have a health issue that something like that could really affect you. And if you'd known that was happening, oh, I'd, I'll buy a ticket for another part of the stadium. Mm-hmm. So... If they're yeah, going to yeah. do stuff like that, folk need to be aware that that is going to possibly happen. So I think and then I think, make their own choice as to whether they want to be in that section. I think their supporters and the club's response to that would be that that section is known for, has smoke all the time. Anyways, there is smoke in that section of one of I guess you would say a different variety, but there is smoke. So yeah. if you're asthmatic, you would probably avoid that anyway. So it was wouldn't be like. An un, in this case, it wouldn't be like an unknown occurrence for that that area, but it, it also the volume that they did and the volume actually the volume they've done a couple at least a couple other times has been so significant that it carries to other parts of the stadium. So you might not be safe if you're on you know yeah. anywhere anywhere. I mean, near. we we've seen it uh, at Swan Guard with White Cats back oh. in the day. Like the TSS. Portland playoff game when the Portland playoff game when Gersh scored. 
Yeah. And then, oh, there was so much smoke. They had they stopped the game, didn't they? Yeah. They, they yeah. stopped the Whitecaps TSS game last year at Swan, or this season at Swan Guard as well, after TSS had opened the scoring. It was a Wednesday night game. And then the Whitecaps were like, yeah, we can't see. <laughs> TSS and... went... The Whitecaps had stopped and TSS were still playing. They're like, we can see. Yeah. <laughs> we know where the oh, goal no. is. Oh, but that, 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 in that case, that's a referee decision, right? Yeah, he did stop it in, in the end, but it didn't. Yeah, it's it's something that, as you say, it's going to be interesting to see the repercussions in this. I think there'll be a fine, and I think LAFC more than happily pick that up because oh, yeah. they've pleased their fans. They've had something that will go around the world. Because oh, it yeah. just one went around the world. I saw it all over the place in different like ultra groups from around the world tweeting it and stuff as well. Oh, yeah. LAFC, I mean, like what? One, two owners will look in their couch and find some change and pay yeah. the fine. So it, it's not an issue for them. But that again, that's where it becomes a, okay, who's doing what and how and yeah. why and what are like, if it's not, I mean, because there's even talking, I think I've said this before, in the Bundesliga, flares are, flares are not allowed. So when clubs or when supporters do them, their clubs get fined. And one of the theories is um, that uh, um, the only reason the the the, the DFL, the, the German Football League, doesn't um, like sanction them is because now this is a legitimate revenue stream for the league. So they they know what's going to happen and whatever. Instead of saying okay, it can happen under these, I do. I, I've heard some people basically say it's not a liability thing. It is a legitimate, a significant amount of revenue they get every year. Well, so why maybe would they stop that? With all the fines MLS will get for this and all the the stuff with the white caps and Vanny, maybe they can put it towards goal line technology. Oh, that would be nice. Hmm. There's a, there's a good. If we saw that the money went somewhere, it'd be like yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. The match itself, I mean, it was never going to live up to the first game. It wasn't a classic. The defending champs are through to get the chance to retain their title. The Whitecaps are the only team to have scored against LAFC in the playoffs. Three straight clean sheets now for Max Cripple. Well, and they're one of a few teams. And he oh, he made at least one huge save that I saw. Um, Houston he dominated the play. But LAFC just looked too far more dangerous. Uh, the Whitecaps are also one of the few teams to win away to LA this year, right? Is yeah. that not correct? Yeah. yeah. Houston was not a, uh, how should we put it, not a sexy Western Conference finalist. No. I know they, they do have some quality players and whatever, especially I think, you know, Herrera probably stands out. But they, they put in a respectable performance, but I don't think there's any, anyone anywhere in North America who's surprised at the result. No. Hollingshead in the 44th of the opener. Franco Escobar oh. on goal in the 80th. And he scored with his butt. Yeah. We, we saw that and we saw that and Kirk was like, oh, it's just like a Tiba. <laughs> so the finals next Saturday in Columbus. It's a one o'clock Pacific time kickoff, which I, I, I don't like in one way, but it should be over. I can get to a VMSL game at 3.30 at Burnaby Lake. So I guess it's not too, too bad. It'll be in TSN according to the MLS website, so at least they're folk just, can get to see it. They're just getting every game this week. Yeah. Who who, who do you have for it? Uh, can, I'll go with Canadian Maxime Crepo. I think it's going to be 2-1 Columbus, but it might be extra Ooh. time. Really? Mm. 
Why do you? Oh, why do you say that? The LAFC aren't or... great on their travels, especially out east. It's going to be very cold. Yeah, that that I think that might be a bigger factor than the traveling. Oh, actually, I'm I'm saying it's going to be very cold. I'm guessing that. Let me just have a quick look at the weather here. Well, it looks pretty cold today. Yeah. Huh. I, I take it back. Saturday is to be 13 degrees and rainy. Oh, that's not cold at all. No. Wait, 13 degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius? At Celsius. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's that's almost balmy. Yeah, it's to be like four on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then it just goes up in time for the final. Well, that, that's great for the for the league, for the... Fans in Columbus for the mm. traveling fans. Did you did you see? Uh, there's this, you know, speaking of LAFC support, did you see that they did some uh, marching down there in uh, Middle Cascadia? Did you see that? No. Oh yeah, they 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 took quite a significant group and they were you know marching through the streets and stuff. I, I saw them in the stadium. I didn't see them march. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So should be a good one. Looking forward to it. the MLS season. will wrap up our MLS chat has wrapped up. We've got one more part to go. We're going to be continue to solve Canadian football and bring you song number 13 in our festive 15. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Dino Rossi and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM and kicking off this part number 13 in AFTN's 2023 Festive 15 from East Kilbride in Scotland The Jesus and Mary Chain This song only came out last week I was going to say, I hadn't heard new music from them Well, if I'd had it longer to be in my head this might be higher than 13 but I mean it's, it's gone straight in to the charts here at number 13 it's their first single released from their new album that comes out next March it's called Glasgow Eyes the album is and that song is J-A-M-C-O-D hmm. and I tell you I will be getting that album and I hope that means that they will then be playing some dates over here haven't seen the Jews and Mary Chain since 2007 so I don't I don't know their music well, but I remember them. They were on in the nineties, right? Started off in the eighties. In the eighties, okay. Yeah. yeah, I remember them from the nineties. I th- I wanna say eighty-four could be eighty-six. A great band. Watched them for many years now and yeah, really looking forward. I didn't know they had a new album coming out, so that is their new single. It's number thirteen. We'll be back with probably three more tracks next week in our festive fifteen. What could they be? This part, though, we're going to try and continue to fix Canadian football with a little bit of a follow-up from our discussion last week. We had some interesting feedback. We got some emails, some DMs, some stuff on Twitter, just about the discussions we had about how Canadian football basically needs to improve, get out with the old, in with the new, out with the shit, in with the good stuff. I want to get into a couple of the things that we were sent this week, and we'll cover some others that were sent in the coming weeks I'm sure as well but friend of the show long time listener Greg Petrie gave us three realistic fixes for Canadian soccer number one I'd like to see improvement in coaching at the grassroots level I'm just not sure we're providing high enough coaching for our high performance players early enough in general I'm sure there are exceptions and I'll come to that with the second thing that we're going to go over Uh, from the second person as well. Number two, I'd like the current CSB agreement torn up and a new one written that feels more like a partnership. As it stands, with a flat fee, any real growth of revenue only benefits the CSB owners and not the CSA or players. I'd like a model where a percentage is shared by all, which I think would encourage more cooperation amongst all parties, since they'd all have a stake in revenue growth. I hear what Greg's saying, and I, I, I think it comes back to something we've always we've talked about a lot. Where within the game, everyone is looking out for their own self-interest, right? There's always this element of I have to take care of me first and others or whatever next, right? So yeah, the CSB deal is meant to protect those who chose to invest in the men's professional league, right? And give them some long-term hope at being able to make money. They're not, they are not making any money. They haven't made any money. Any money they've got, they've received from the CSB has gone into the cost of running the teams. Uh, That's what they've said publicly. Uh, That's what they've said privately. Um, I know some people choose to not believe that, which I think is unfortunate. Um, But I, I don't, one, I don't think you can just tear up the CSB deal. But I do think the 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 long term ultimate best situation would be 
the CSA, the CPL slash CSB people, and if you know uh, where things are at now, Project Eight people all coming together and and forging a path forward again. There, I said it again. Um, um, uh, carving a path going forward, um, and that would be the most ideal thing, but that's not going to happen because none of those people are going to lay down where they're at or their priorities or their values or whatever the CSA. I mean, the CSA exists to help both those organizations because both those organizations help them live up their mandate uh, as a, as a football association. But yeah, the, I think if the CS, if the CSB were to be torn, torn up right now and not replaced with something with, not replacing it in a meaningful way then yeah the cpl would would not last long at all like it's the it it's the it provides the hope going forward that one day those owners can turn those clubs into uh something that does generate um uh, a profit it's a double-edged sword for them because if they rip up if, if the cpl owners stroke csb mm-hmm. rip up the deal Sign a new one where it, like, what what Greg is suggesting, I think would be great. It's what the game needs, and it is what would drive it forward because all parties would have a, a stake in the revenue growth. So for everyone, it's in their interest to grow it, and that's what is needed. And if CSB ripped it up and agreed to that, the the how they are looked upon would be way better than it is now PR wise every other way wise but if they do that the CPL might not be around yeah and so I also it's like balancing that I also agree how you've said it here how Greg said it to you also um like again these 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 owners these people who make up CPL CSB again he says it only benefits them and it, yeah, they do, they do, it does create revenue towards their operating costs. But again, they are not making any money off it. And they themselves have invested like over a hundred million dollars to yeah. try and, so it, 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 it does benefit because it says not the CSA or the players. I think Greg's just thinking of like national team players that the CSB deal benefits Canadian players that are playing in the CPL. Yeah, which is every country needs a domestic league to to continue to grow its players, which is why there needs to be also needs to be a women's league. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that, I I think it's not. What did you say? Realistic fixes? I don't think that's necessarily a realistic fix. Although I don't disagree that those three parties coming together to 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 chart a path forward. Um, would be ideal, but it's just yeah. not going to happen because one project gate won't even sit at the table to talk about that. Um, and, and two, the CPL CSB owners are not going to walk away from something that is significant to try and keep this, you know, moving forward to one day where it is uh, profitable. The third suggestion from Greg is some people might not like to hear it, but I prefer that MLS teams continue to be granted approval to play in MLS indefinitely. Having three teams in MLS gives players easier access to bigger leagues than the CPL will ever be. I think there's a fairly clear pyramid, which is currently MLS, CPL, League Ones, 
which will allow players to move up or down as they develop or don't. As a Whitecaps fan, I find it meaningful to have games against Seattle and Portland on a regular basis. We've also seen the interest a visiting MLS team generates for CPL sides in the Voyagers Cup, and what sort of buzz that creates when they win. Finally, we've seen the attendance in the CPL gets in two of the three big markets in Canada. I'm not saying they can't do better, but I've also seen the attendance during the USL days and then what the MLS team started drawing once they arrived. Like it or not, there's a significant number of casual fans who will support MLS who will never support the CPL, much like there's a lot of people who support the NFL, but they will never support the CFL. And he's got a good point with that because I had a couple of folk message me as well and say one thing that was overlooked in our discussion about it is a lot of people don't even want to watch MLS here because they think it's a poor level. So if they're not going to watch MLS, then they're not going to go and watch CPL or anything like that as well. And yeah, was, was, are, are those are those people who really have an interest in growing the game in Canada? No, it's people I mean, I'm not, I'm, it's, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not saying the game doesn't need them. I'm just saying that's not your. No, it's a, that's a different version. discussion. Yeah, yeah. but, but I, I, I mean, I, I, I find it um, great. Uh, Greg's view on that very myopic, right? Like he's saying the CPL will never ever be at the level of MLS, and. You know, at the same number of years, he might be right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I I long to see how the, the CPL grows and how it continues to be uh, a league that Canadians can be proud of and that, you know, continues to um, provide a pathway forward for, for players. You know, like we've talked about it even on this episode, like a Mo Farsi or, um, you know. And so, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I mean, he, he's a Whitecaps fan, and so of course that's his perspective and opinion, and he's he's of course welcome to have it. I just think it's it's you wouldn't expect a, a Whitecaps fan to say anything other than that, right? Like, well, I I totally agree with Greg. It's like the CPL is never going to be more than a, a minor league compared to MLS. Like, you look at the players that's in MLS now. In the past, you mentioned Bastian Schweinsteiger earlier. Obviously, there's Messi just now, who's a unique thing. But just look around the league, the players that's come, the players, the, the talent, the quality, the fans that they're attracting. The CPL is never going to get to that level because the appetite in this country for that level does not exist. And Greg makes a good point. You look at what the Whitecaps drew in their USL days, where they often sold out Swan Guard, but not every single game. And you look at, as soon as they went into MLS, that crowd more than doubled, tripled, quadrupled. And there's an appetite here for, if you stick major, like if it was major Canadian Premier League, maybe that would have got folk. But realistically, there is more excitement for, a, like if the Whitecaps were to join the CPL, no one is going to care Whitecaps against York. Whitecaps against TFC, on the other hand, oh, that's exciting. You're saying the Whitecaps versus Columbus was exciting in 2011? It, 2011 it was, because it was the first oh, season. Oh, because it was new? But yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, there's some teams that the Whitecaps play in MLS that, yeah, it's like hard to get The Colorado Rapids? For. 
<laughs> but ultimately they're in your conference so it's points but likewise it's but the same... the same thing that's the same thing like over time yeah york uh as a as a club when you play them you have no history with them of course there's not going to be excitement but that's what builds over over time right like but i'm not even talking I, I, I'm I talking about the quality on the pitch like it goes I, back I, to what i said last week if you pay peanuts you get monkeys yeah, and yeah. it's like unless the cpl's budget increases a hundredfold then it's never going to be a top quality league. It's always going to be a developmental league at worst and at best a league with some up-and-coming talent and some old veterans sprinkled in. So you think the goal should be for Canada to have more MLS teams? I'd be for that because it's a higher level and the players will develop and it will stop them having to go to, to Europe to go and play in third tier in Germany or first, second tier in Scandinavia. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I don't disagree with you that uh, CPL is, uh, yeah, it, it is at the level it is because of, yeah, what they're paying, of course. And it is, yeah, uh, yeah. Development of players and creating pathways is uh, a core, a core, part of why the league exists that's part of the mandate and will that ever change will it ever be, become a league that like you say is has a salary cap budget of 10 times what it is now i i, I guess maybe I, I in one sense i hope that you know in 10 years it will be like that or 10 years or whatever 25 years or whatever is it almost at 30 years now Not um 20 between 25 and 30 seven i think yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it might go that route or it might yeah, it might uh it might uh, um continue to be more on the developmental side, but the, the, uh, I, I guess to sum up what I'm getting at is how do players improve and develop by playing against good players, by top quality players? And there's not enough of that in the CPL for them to develop the way that they need it for the national team. You're right. only going to do that in a league like MLS because the American teams are going to be drawing in the top talent. I would agree if if if, if Canada had a league for the last 30 years, Michael. But this is like at the beginning of something new. So, of course, you're starting at a certain level. And I think the levels, you've even said, have been better than expected out of, out of the gate. Yeah. But and if I you look at where to... we are five years into CPL and where MLS was five years in, MLS were ahead, although the CPL looks more financially stable because the MLS yeah. were going through owners or one owner and then losing teams left, right and centre before. I, I don't know what flicked the switch, actually, that it started to to stabilise and start becoming better. That would well, be the after, interesting it, question to look it at. Was, it, was, it was after the retraction of the Florida teams. Mm. I, mean, I mean, CPL, I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing yet. I don't even know how I feel about it, but has have they've just brought in another ownership yeah, group the for the York situation? Yeah. So I, I again I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Hopefully it helps York. I mean, uh, I mean one of the big things is this group is supposedly re-engaged with the uh the prospect of uh upgrading the Woodbine racetrack into a stadium. Yeah. Um, so I had it's one more they hope one more year where they are and then they look to move. But I, I think having groups like that in should push the league to then strive for higher standards. It's like well, if you if you look at like Afshin coming into Vancouver FC 
how much he talked about, I'm not used to this amateurness. He used the words. It's like I'm yeah. surrounded by amateurs. And it's like you need people to come in to push that, say, no, we need this. That needs to be better. You can't be taken seriously if you're going to do this. You have to do this. Yeah, so yeah. having owners like Atletico Atletico, Madrid, sure, and yeah. then the Mexican because you you know exactly there's a, you know with Atletico Madrid you know they want things to push forward right mm-hmm. like this is for them this is a, also for them long term it's a an opportunity for development in a different country it's opportunity to have places for some of their players in some of their other parts of their empire to um, to get playing time uh, and, and even coaching development. This, Developing the brand into a worldwide uh, too? thing. Which, I mean, obviously, I don't really care about that, but yeah. No, but they, that's what the clubs do. So they only oh, no. do that if the league's successful. Yeah. I totally understand why Greg has has that opinion. And obviously, yeah, I think there are lots of people who have that opinion. Uh, but I don't know. I, 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 I'm really happy that our country has our own domestic league. And I long to continue to see it grow and develop. And, um, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Like, that's, I don't know, it's exciting for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree, and I do as well, but MLS, to me, is the higher level, and you sh- the white caps, as white caps, I would want them to stay in MLS. Because you're not going to get Canadian inter- current Canadian internationals wanting to play CPL. And by current, oh, this, I don't oh, mean oh, that the new ones that's maybe got a cap here or there but the, oh, I, like, just, I I just remember this is a response to was it last episode where I said long term yeah oh yeah because you because we never talked about that before <laughs> beforehand no and I was just in the moment I was like oh well, this would be nice long term ah, now I remember yeah I no that it was in reply to that yeah yeah okay um, no, that, that's a fair, sorry Greg that's a fair rebuttal I I also got a message this is the the other thing we'll talk about in this show from a father and a coach who has put multiple children of his own through BC soccer on both the male and female side. And he's coached and he's got 25 years experience in the local game here. What he says is the underlying issues are really about the club set up under BC soccer and their lack of control or oversight of those clubs. Mm. BC soccer needs to provide direction guidance and put in place expectations for clubs in the absence of such technical directors create their own little fiefdoms and make decisions based on their own best interest or the interest of lobby groups instead of youth development clubs therefore play to win instead of playing to develop as such small kids with skill get written off before they get to puberty while players that grow at ages 11 to 13 get promoted because of size and speed. Clubs then support only the highest level, putting all their eggs in one basket, leaving those smaller skilled players behind. Once they grow, it's too late for them because they were omitted from development at a young age. Yeah. I mean, that's all... I mean, I think we, we've seen heard it. that. I've we, seen it. We've yeah, heard we've, it. we've heard this quite a bit in the past. Yeah, because that like, folk develop at different times, and this is a big thing of mine that I I feel f- that players are still developing up to here in Canada, twenty twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, 
which is why I get so pissed off, as I've said ad nauseum now, that the CPL writes them off if they if they get deemed as too too old at 22, 23. But you've got guys coming out of college, SFU, U Sports, whatever, that could definitely make it in the pro game. But there's a bigger focus on youth. With what this comment was as well is, if the kids are overlooked, and there is so much emphasis here put on, like, fast players. Oh, that kid's got speed, or, oh, that kid's really good at 12, let's move him up a couple of age groups. Because, like, when when I'm doing my commentary and I'm doing all my in-depth research for all the players, the amount of times that I see somewhere, oh, such and such has played one or two age groups higher since he was aged whatever, or she was aged since whatever. And it's like, that, that that's good, because you want them to be challenged. Mm-hmm. But then, what happens to all those other ones in that group? Do they get cast aside? What happens if they then go to college and then start to make the breakthrough? They might be getting good, but they're lacking some of the development, or the tactical sense, or they're lacking some of the actual skill that would be needed to make it in the pro game. So you've written them off. It's a tough balancing act, but again, it comes down to self-interest. And BC Soccer has let a lot of clubs just go to their own devices. I I think this is a great a great topic, but like, what is the mandate of, of BC Soccer? Is it is are they? I guess I'm asking, are they failing in their mandate, or is well, this the, the mandate's the the CSA one of the the players' long term development plan? So there's right. a, a set plan, and it, it involves from like under 10s and you don't keep score and it's all it's meant to be just about development but you know the and, players keep score and divas is a big part of yeah. yeah and then you've got uh, it's been a while since i read it to be honest but it's it's like how much work at training is done with the ball how much is done in actual games how much is done in training it's it's all this set stuff which it's great in theory, and there's no doubting that you look at players in Europe and South America, and they're just way more technically gifted than players here in North America. And you have to say, why? Now, it's got a lot better, and the Americans have done very well at that because they've put the money into it. Does it all just come down to money? I, I don't think it does. I, I've had the pleasure of doing some local combines and with FTF and I've done under 17 nationals and some other stuff and there's talent there the amount of players as well that I've seen play in VMSL and I'm like man can you imagine how good that player could be if he was in a professional environment five days a week because yeah. he's, he's got the basic skill but he's just needing someone to to fine tune it and I think that's what's very frustrating second bit of this was you can see all of these things this is going back to the message that i got from a number of the white caps youth players a couple of whom i've coached when they were younger one boy one girl both were pulled up to higher ranks at a young age because of size and strength over skill but they were both dropped by the age of 15 and 16 because then they had no longer had that advantage mm. and then there's also he mentioned that Clubs are encouraged to, 
they're, they're not discouraged for player movement out of a district. And for example, he said that there's a Fraser Valley club who had a goalkeeper from Victoria on their squad. So <laughs> he, he says that's an example of wanting a winning team instead of developing the youth in your own district. And he said, I have tons of similar examples. Now, mm. I was like, oh, that doesn't sound right. That That is about, oh, I want to have a winning team. I want to have the best team on the pitch. Yeah. Because you're making money, you're getting sponsors' money in. You may be winning provincials. It is a hell of a commute. <laughs> but it's, I mean, there's no easy answer. If the if there's folk that run youth clubs here, share some of your experiences. I'd love to know if you're finding that as well. Because what happens you... between 11 and 16 for you that needs to be improved? Just to bring this into the developmental and beyond stage or whatever, I know you and I have a bit different perspective on Vancouver FC's use of local players, and I mm. really appreciate the the five local guys who've come. And we've seen a couple of really young ones make the breakthrough, and especially Anthony White and um, and TJ Dahid. And the TJ Dahid is like you're like, how many more TJ Dahids are there out there that need mm-hmm. to be fostered in whatever? Because every time I see him play, and especially even just watching him at the U seventeen World Cup, man, he's he's, he's an exciting player with a lot of potential and a lot of current qualities and you just want to you want more of that right like you yeah. want you want want more more of that and so well, that goes back to what i was saying like you see these players and you're like imagine them five days professional training for a yeah. year yeah where, where has where does that take their game from and to yeah oh totally it's a whole pathway thing as well, which will bring us on to the last point, which I wanted to talk about, which was the other big announcement this week. League One Canada has bought League One BC, taken it away from BC Soccer, and they will run the league from the 2024 season. And I could not be happier. It has needed to get away from BC Soccer to to have the growth that this league needs. And I know that there's owners that have been pushing for certain things, that's been getting pushed back. And this is now an opportunity under League One Canada for League One BC to really grow and hopefully take lessons from what's happening out in Ontario and League One Ontario. They've now got two divisions. They're having a a youth thing as well for Mm -hmm. uh, under 20s. There's the Women's League there as well. They've promotion relegation. They've got a whole pyramid system and a a great pathway and great development. What they haven't... Is is Dino Rossi the commissioner of the... He's commissioner of League One BC. They will be hiring a general manager as well. They're actually actively hiring a general manager just now for... Dino's for all of Canada, right? Yes. So he is League One Canada commissioner. We're actually going to speak... I was speaking to Dino this week and I said, oh, do you want to come on the show and we'll chat about it? And he said... Wait till after Christmas. We've got some things we're working on. Cool. Get in touch in January and I'll come on and I'll talk to you about stuff. I have a lot of time for Dino. I do as well. And I I want to be a part of League One BC and the growth of it. And I haven't shared this on the... I might have shared this with you privately, but I haven't shared this on the show. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to talk about. I, I was going to walk away from covering the league next year. I was very close because I've been so pissed off with things that's been happening under BC Soccer in the last two years with it that it just felt pointless to be putting all the time and effort into it because it wasn't 
going the way it should be. You, you've got like not some more that's dropped out this year, and yeah. not some more bought the the franchise rights from Varsity. Th- them losing it has nothing to do with BC Soccer. No, but the, the, but I know what you're gonna say yeah. Yeah. So one of the reasons that they've lost it is they got funding last year from the government, and it's six figures because not some more the I like. The idea behind Not Small is great. Get yeah. indigenous youth, get indigenous players involved in the game because for far too long they've been pushed to the outside here. And the the worry for me always was, if you speak to anyone in local circles, they'll be like, well, a lot of the top indigenous players are playing in like VMSL, Div 3, Div 4. They are not at League 1 level. And you saw that because of very few of them really made it was better on the women's side but very few on the men's side made any real impact and that's because the investment hasn't been there for them and the development hasn't been there for them and it's like oh this club could maybe do that but it didn't and the funding then because the growth wasn't seen maybe certain things weren't ticked it wasn't there for 2024 so the club couldn't afford to run so varsity wanted to come back into the league, but they were told, oh no, you sold your rights, so you're going to have to reapply to get back into the league. So UBC now are like, well, okay, let's just move in a different direction. So hopefully this will now reopen to the likes of, of UBC, maybe not for next year, but for 2025. But the thing with BC Soccer is it was a, cl- it was a closed shop for League One. Existing clubs unless it was a TSS or Highlanders that had done it at a high level before, and obviously the Whitecaps, couldn't get in. So you couldn't get your Coquitlam Metrofords, who have run youth programmes for years. You couldn't Mm. get your Coastal, your Columbus, all Surrey FC, all these teams that spend money on the boys and girls and the male and the female to grow the game, to develop players here, were being shut out. Now, under this... Looking at the League One Ontario model, this is going to open up to more teams. You've, I'm going into stuff I was going to do when we did our League One review, so I won't do too much more. But things like making sure that every team has a male and a female team. I don't. Th- I said this on last week's show. That's not necessarily the best thing. If a club wants to focus only on the women, let them have that. Don't make them have a men's team as well, and vice versa. Rivers really struggled to get players this season for their women's side and they finished bottom and they were getting hammered in some of the games and it was a really tough season for them. What's the onus for these girls to come back and play next year? So it's all this stuff. It's going to be moving in a different direction. We're going to have a better pathway. We'll cover this a lot more when we speak to Dino in January. But I'm I'm very excited by it and I think this is a good start to really shaking up and overhauling football here in BC. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, you you and I I think both know why BC Soccer took the approach they did, and and now it's not in their control, and so it's likely to change. Which I don't disagree with you that there's a lot of positives that will come from that. Um, I'm just excited that Dino is going to be. Uh, hands on with what's going to happen yeah. and I'm just excited we might get a proper streaming thing sorted out and not just selfishly from me commentating but just so that yeah. folk can actually see the fucking games yeah I gotta come commentate with you sometime 
it's very exciting. And I'll just close things up by saying, I I was at a VMSL game today, and it was the top of the table clash in the Premier, VUFC Hibernian, which is UBC fringe players and alumni, and Columbus FC, who have such a rich history, over 60 Mm -hmm. years, I think it is, here in BC. Now, Columbus, not all the players were there today, but on their squad this season, Emiliano Brienza, prospect for the Whitecaps for so long, leading scorer right now in VMSL. Andre Bears went off to college now back in BC. Simone Massey was playing VMSL Premier today. He's just been released by WFC too. These are players that, like Vancouver FC, need to have a look at. They've played at the top level. They've been good prospects. These are players that need to be playing at League One to get themselves back into the pro game. And clubs like Columbus are the exact kind of club that you want to have in a League One. So hopefully, if there's interest, of course, from both sides, because there has to be the club side as well, hopefully things are going to be a change in... And yeah, just fingers crossed that we actually see League One BC be the league that I want it to be. But yeah, let us know your thoughts again on development, fixing the game here, what you'd like to see. That is it for the football chat. We've got one thing left to do, which is bring you this episode's wavelength. I talked about Scotland in part one at the Euros, drawn against Germany. I thought I would play a song about a Scottish legend in Wavelength this week, Kenny Dalglish. This is a song from 1996 by a Birmingham-based band called Mad Jocks and Englishmen. This is Just Like Kenny. Oh, 
Mad Jock's an Englishman, just like Kenny, song about Kenny Dalgleish. When will we see his likes again in Scotland? An absolute legend that we've never really had a, a player like him. Probably one of the best Scottish players of all time. He, he had some good coaching moments too. Yeah, didn't quite hit the dizzy heights as coach. I mean, did, no. did well, obviously, yeah. and won titles and stuff, but it's tough when a player that's done so well goes into coaching and maybe just doesn't quite yeah. hit the levels that's expected of him. But that is it for the show. Any final thoughts from you, Zach? Any funny things caught your eye this week? No, I just want to say, yeah, if you're listening to this Monday or maybe Tuesday morning and for some reason you don't have your tickets to go and see Christine Sinclair's uh, final ever um, uh, match for the Canadian... International. Yeah, can it, yeah, sorry. Yeah, final match for Canada. Yeah. Um, uh, come out and be a part of that. I don't know what the number is now, but it's over 41,000 for sure. I, so. I've heard that it could get up to 45. Yeah, so come and be a part of that. It's going to be a special occasion. Uh, and yeah, if you do go to the game, if you are going to be at the game, um, there's going to be a whole bunch of presentations and stuff going on before the match, as Michael said earlier. But also stick around after the match because there'll be a couple of a couple of things happening then too. I just want to say a big well done to Felipe Vigil. Oh, yeah. Two weeks ago, when Felipe was on the show, he mentioned that he was taken over as head coach of VMSL, Division yeah. 4 side, Burnaby Spartans B. Lost their first game, 3-2. It was an own goal, but they, they did well in that one. But he's got his first win this weekend. Big. 3-1 win over Royal City Blues at Mercer Stadium in New West. I thought about going out to that, but I forgot. I got my days mixed up, but... Could he have dealt with your heckling? I'd just get him on video or just show him losing it on the sidelines. See see what he's learned from Vanny. I also think you mispronounced his last name, but... I uh... have. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> I'm sticking with Vallejo. <laughs> That's definitely not how it's Felipe V... A flea by V, that's good. F.E. You're an F.E. fanatic. Uh, that's true. But that is it for the show. We'll be back with another one soon. It's a special show next Sunday. See if you can work out why. But until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the caps. Allez le rouge. Bye, everybody. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
Hey.